welcome to episode 1019 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, February 25th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined today by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. We're hanging out. We got dogs in here right now. We got some uh, furniture being moved in, so you might hear a little, little pitter-patter. You see Char there in the little corner. They're going to be running around. They're going to be excited. I mean, they might bark a little bit, so hopefully not. But uh, we're talking first baseman today. Are you excited for that? I am. Uh, I got to be... It's Go ahead, a, I'm sorry. Um, it's a it's a deep position. I uh, I was just in a draft, or I'm in a draft right now with you, crawling through the fortieth round right now, and I already had three first basemen plus DJ LeMayhew, and like Nick Prado just kept dropping and dropping and dropping in this and draft. You're like fine. And it's, no, I didn't because I already oh. had so many. I was all yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't want another just first base only guy. Um. I thought but you were like, saying that you took the plunge and just said, ah, forget it. But, like, that's how thick the position is because, like, my first first baseman was Frank Schwindel. I mean, if you don't count LeMahieu. So, yeah. And it's funny that you bring that up about LeMahieu because we're going to talk about him. And I actually, you know, we, I did my little my little uh, sections and I called LeMahieu part of the fake first baseman mm-hmm. under the idea that he's probably better used elsewhere. Yeah. I think as much as I like some of the upper tiers that we're going to talk about, like I, I just, I think it's going to be, I'm going to need a really good deal to want to invest in first base earlier than like pick 130 or 140. Yeah. I, uh, I'm interested by first base quite a bit. I know we've talked, you know, uh, about pockets of, of first base quite a bit throughout the, uh, throughout the fall here at fall and winter, uh, including some of them mentioned in our, our gold, our gold digging from a couple weeks ago or last week rather. And, uh, you know, we've talked at the upper tiers too, but let's just go ahead and dive in. Let's talk about the two studs. We've been seeing some, uh, some big chatter around Vladimir Guerrero jr. On Twitter last week or earlier this week, he kind of dominated the, uh, the landscape there, but he and Freddie Freeman, I kind of put a cut above. And then, uh, the next group is the stars. There's three other guys there. Those five could probably all go in a tier, but Guerrero and, um, and Vlad definitely go higher. Actually, I said Guerrero and Black. Guerrero and Freeman, they're a cut above. I mean, Guerrero's kind of by himself even. He, he's in top seven pick, consistently ranging as high as two in the last month in draft champions. And these are draft champions leagues since March, uh, excuse me, since April. God, why can I not say the month? January. January? Like, why am I going forward? Sorry. Since January 24th, pick seven. Freddie Freeman. Pick 23 on average. So even Vlad has separated himself a bit from Freeman. Now, the big talk on Vlad is this idea that he he can't be a first-rounder because he doesn't have steals. And listen, I saw Jason's tweets the other day about steals and where, you know, what's been happening with them. And, you know, usually every year I write a where are the steals going piece. I'll do that again shortly here. And you're going to find that most of them do go early, right, the, the mm-hmm. really good ones. And I get that. But this idea that you can't take Vlad because he doesn't steal, I think is kind of insane. If you are that hamstrung that you can't build a team with enough steals, I think that says more about the drafter than Vlad. I disagree-ish with you. Okay. I think, well, I don't think, I think Vlad is deserving of a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, he clearly, I think, will likely return that value so 
for that reason alone, I think you can say he should be going in the first round. He's a fine first round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not be surprised, even without stolen bases, if he returned top five pick value. But? But I think the hard part with a guy like Vlad is because he does not offer five category production, it limits your options in future rounds. Because if you are going to get with, let's say, your first five picks, you want to make sure you're getting an ace, at least one ace, saves, and stolen bases, right? Because you can get power later, and probably you want decent batting average, right? Mm -hmm. If you take a player that does not offer one of those things, then you are forced to, with pretty much your next four picks to individually address this. So it can be done. You're just limiting your options, and I don't love the idea of limiting my options early on. I don't know, though. I I don't really think you are that much. Like, I get what you're saying, but, okay, so you know how whenever you do NFPC at at, uh, the NFPC average draft position, it uh, it has a league that is is, uh, kind of pasted over that, you know, mm-hmm. in the far right corner, it'll say which team picked the player. Mm-hmm. Um, this happens to be, I think, the DC that we did that had um, Pile of Dial, Waxman, mm-hmm. uh, and a bunch of other people, too. Remember that one? That was like mm-hmm. our first one. So yeah. Zach Waxman is the one who took Vlad. He then goes all beats to Oscar Tyler O'Neill his next three picks. He's right back on track. I don't think that and, – and I don't think he like, – Yeah, he but what – What's his pitching look like is the problem. Roldis Chapman, Logan Webb, Kevin Gosman, Craig Kimbrell were his next four picks after that. That's, I don't think he's off. That's pretty well done, actually. Yeah, so and not, then Anthony yeah, I mean, Rendon. Friend was, that a fi- was that a 50? That remember. was our 150. That was a draft champion's 150. Wow. I'm surprised he got Logan Webb that late. Um, that was at pick 63. Now, this was a while ago, mm-hmm. right? This is one of our first drafts of the – I think it's my first draft. Uh, besides the Arizona one uh, of the of the season, the one that you got us in. So, you know, this is just one example because he's who took Vlad in our draft. Why is it different than getting a speed guy in the first and then taking Pete Alonso in the third, though? What's the difference? Um, I mean, I there isn't much of one. Like, what can't you really take? Like, another first baseman later? Okay, I mean, I don't know. that. That's, a, that's all right. But, you know, one thing you hit on, we talk about how valuable speed is, right? Mm-hmm. But we also talk about how valuable and how hard it is to get premium average. And Vlad absolutely offers yeah. that. And so, I think I think that, I mean, I think there were only two guys last year that hit for more than 30 home runs and had a 300 batting average. Um, who was the other one? Uh, might, was it Freeman? I, I, I honestly Might can't be. remember off the top of my head. Might be. I'm, I, uh, I got you. I'm, I'm pulling it up for you. You said 300 plus 30? Yeah, 300 plus 30. So That'd be Vlad and Bryce Harper. There we go. And so, Castellanos did it too. Oh, okay. There you so go. So three guys. Riley, and so did Freeman. Four so four. Two first basemen. Maybe it was the, that you knew that two no, first, two first basemen. So, but Freeman did indeed do it. But only so, four guys, to your point. I mean, it's only four. You know, you, you know, just because so you like, didn't have the number exactly right. Still very small. Number. Yeah, so... Like I, I don't have an issue with doing it. I'm not okay. going to do it. Like I, I I'm okay I don't saying you're it, not going to do it. It's the whole like this idea that like you can't do it that has yeah. I think it, I think I think it would be very unlikely for me to do it. I think the only situation in which I would end up 
doing it is if I was like at the back end of the first round and he fell and he fell. He um, being Vlad Jr. Yes, I, I agree and, there. You know, uh, so because I, I can't imagine taking him over Albies. I can't imagine taking him over Tucker, uh, Cole or Burns, um, really over Scherzer, probably. Um, you know, maybe I do. And then I, I just say I'm going to grab Scherzer or Wheeler in the second round, something like that. So it's just not the build I'm, I'm super comfortable with. I don't think, I, I think there may be a little bit too much hate within the industry on it. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that's kind of that's kind of what I want to push back on is this notion that like you can't draft him, you're really hamstringing yourself. It's completely fine. There's tons of great builds coming off mm-hmm. of a Vlad pick. Pick him if you want. Don't just, pick him for, if you don't want. For me personally, I want as many roads to be able to go down as possible. And sure. I feel like taking either an elite starting pitcher in the first round or taking a five category producer allows me to continue to travel down any road I want. Whereas I feel like if I take Vlad and to some extent taking Otani, um, though Otani does steal bases, I feel like it had, it just, you know, lessens the roads I'm willing to take moving forward. Um, I just, Otani just makes me feel uncomfortable. I know, I know he's not a first baseman, but he's a UT guy. So we'll never talk about him. So Mm -hmm. might as well just, say I, I probably I, I think in my first draft of the year I took Otani and I think that may be the only time I end up with him yeah I mean that, that's another build that like if people don't want to do that we always say draft how you are comfortable yeah with, right mm-hmm. so to that point if people aren't comfortable with Vlad I understand that so I, I I'm not I don't want to contradict myself but I also don't want to be saying like force people to draft Vlad the main pushback I'm pushing on is this idea that you can't because you will then hamstring yourself too much in steals. That is not true. You can absolutely get enough steals off of a Vlad draft. That's it, and that's all. Freddie Freeman, going in the second round consistently, pick 23. I think he ventures up to the back end uh, with his high end, right? I think, uh, let's mm-hmm. see here. His min pick is 15, right? So right there at the, at the turn. But he's mostly a nice second rounder, probably because he doesn't have a team yet. Where do you stand on Vlad right or with on Freeman right now? Do you think there is a little bit of a discount? Are you open to taking it? And then we'll get into where you think he's going because now the latest news is like talks have maybe fractured a little bit with the Braves. Although it's weird that we're even getting that news since there's a lockout. But anyway, how do you feel about Freeman's pick? Is he discounted because he doesn't have a team? I don't know if it's because he doesn't have a team. Um, because I mean the all the teams we've heard that are connected to him have been amazing landing spots right the dodgers or the yankees so yeah like, but that doesn't stop us in the fantasy community from still depressing people down like we do it in our rankings you and i talk about how we always have guys down a little bit not that we're gonna be able to move freeman up uh in this case because he's the number two i mean yeah i mean I, I when when i'm not worried about where a guy lands then i um i'm not worried again like, freeman I'm, I'm just not worried about where he lands um are you picking it, him in the second round? I have. Okay. Um, I, I've picked him, uh, I think, as early as 24 or 25. Uh, the last time I got him, I was I was able to get him at the 2-3 turn. Ooh. Um, so <laughs> I'll take I was, that all day. Yeah, I was able to start uh, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, uh, and then Jacob DeGrom. 
Let's go. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a little scared of the DeGrom pick, but... Under, understandable, but I, I think you got two... Those two steady gems there at the front. I know they're not pitching gems, but you got two rocks to kind of jump off with him. Yeah, I, I, mean, I really like that setup there. That's a good... Not, not only is Freeman a 30 homer, 300 average guy, he also steals bases. He, he's like, Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, he's... Yeah, he's he's prime Paul Goldschmidt, and like yeah. I, that's what, so, that's what I was meant to say. Yeah, prime. Paul uh, if I if I'm gonna take a first baseman, probably in the first three or four rounds, Freddie Freeman's likely the guy I'm gonna end up with um, because he offers five category production. Um, I think the reason why he's kind of gets pushed down is just the the other depth at first base. People going, I would much rather attack third base or outfield or you know, get one of the elite shortstops. Um, and that's why he tends to fall. Uh, I'll take that value all day long. Just, uh, you know, if, if I, I think maybe Freddie Freeman is boring, I guess, comparatively speaking to some of these other, you know, second rounders, but mm-hmm. I don't think there's any. That's fine, though. Yeah. Boring, I'm fine. Yeah. I'd much rather have what I feel is pretty guaranteed production than uh, a volatile profile. So, uh, yeah, I I have no problem with Freddie Freeman. I think he I think he's gone going too low probably. I, I think so too. As you mentioned, the rumored places are all great if it's not back to Atlanta. Do you have a, a pick? Uh, not that you want him to go. Do, like, do you have somewhere? Like, where do you think he's going to go? I guess. Uh, if you had told, if you had asked me this a week ago, I probably would have said. He ends up back in Atlanta. I definitely would. Yeah. I think I've said it over and over again that we that's, think that's he ends where I've up been back too. Atlanta. I mean, I don't. I mean that uh, that uh, that report, you know, definitely kind of shakes, you know, that um, that belief a little bit. But true. But we've seen ones like that before, right? Yeah. You you wonder how much of that is the agent putting pressure on the Braves to pony up? Exactly. Um, so I still think Atlanta is the most likely outcome. You gotta wonder though if the Dodgers say with Max Muncy being kind of a question mark, uh, the ability to move Chris Taylor to the outfield and then not really having a ton of like great outfielders anyways outside of Mookie Betts. If uh, if the Dodgers go, let's bring Freddie Freeman in. I mean that is the least. <laughs> case scenario i want as a giant fan it would be amazing for him in the dodgers uh so and for fantasy players so i'm torn because the fantasy side of me is like yes i've got freddie freeman on a few teams already go ahead and put him on the dodgers where now your favorite team's in trouble yeah yeah where he can hit like right behind mookie Betts. um but yeah that that would not that would not be good for my giants so no it really wouldn't not to mention like I, I know the Dodgers are going to sign people. No, like I, I know the Dodgers. They've got a lot of money. They're a big market team. They're competing, so they're going to sign talent. Do they have to sign such likable talent? Exactly. Like, like, do they have to sign guys that I enjoy rooting for just as players? Like, they they took Mookie Betts away from me, and um, you know Walker Bueller is super cool, mm-hmm. and I love like, Betts. You know, like. If, if they trade for Cedric Mullins, I, oh. I might have an aneurysm. Not that that has been rumored in any way, but... No, no, um, you're just saying, like, one of your absolute yeah. faves on your least favorite team would just be awful. 
Yeah, for you. so I just I just know he'd like, be great for them. He'd be great for them. Like the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, so they might they might sign Freeman. We like Freeman either way. Do think he's a bit of a value there in that second round uh, ADP. Let's go on to the stars, the next three guys. They're not terribly far behind this group, but I did think there was a cutoff because you go to Matt Olson, Paul Goldschmidt, and Pete Alonso. I'll throw I'll throw Brayu in there too, although he's kind of on an island because Olson, Goldschmidt, and Alonso go 53, 58, 62, respectively. And then Abreu goes down to 91. But the next one after that is 120. So I figured I would include Embreu here because he, he's, he's quite good. Uh, but I do think Olsen, Goldschmidt, Alonzo, for me, are a little bit of a cut above Abreu. So I agree with that split in ADP. Um, of the of, of these four here, Olsen, Goldie, Alonzo, Abreu, do you have a favorite uh, that you've wound up on a few different times um, or, or just one that you, you think is your favorite but you haven't necessarily picked yet? Um, I have drafted both Goldschmidt and Pete Alonso. Um, Goldschmidt's my favorite because he steals bases. Uh, so, and I feel like he gets discounted a little bit just because he's old. Uh, but I'll, you know, I'll take a handful of stolen bases with my first baseman uh, and, and feel pretty darn good about that. It's still a pretty good lineup in St. Louis. I know it's not a great part to hit in. Um, and maybe Didn't bother him last year, though. Yeah, did, yeah exactly. Um, and then Alonso. Like, he's just a beast in terms of power. And so yeah. if I'm feeling, you know, for some reason with my first few picks, I'm feeling like, oh, I got plenty of speed already. You know, maybe I double tapped on on two speedy guys. Uh, and I'm like, but I feel like I'm a little light on power. Like, he sometimes drops in drafts because he does not have speed. Uh, in the In those scenarios, I'm more than happy to, to draft him. I think the only guy that I'm probably not going to end up with this year is Olsen, just because he's going higher than the group. Makes uh, me sad, but I, I agree. Yeah, there, there's no stolen bases there. I'm not worried about where he's going to end up, because wherever he ends up is going to be a better park than he was playing in. And, and, and he better could, lineup. But have yeah. you seen that lineup? Oh, yeah. I've been oh, saying it. Oh, my moment, God, dude. The moment they trade Chapman and Olsen, and really – Maybe the it, moment they trade one of them. Yeah, because it's it, already crap, dude. Yeah, it may be the worst lineup in baseball. Uh, we were uh, – the, the MLB The Show came out with something called the Tech Test, which uh -huh. is basically just a beta. Um, if, if people know what a, well, a beta test is for a game, you know, you can play it, test it out. And there's this new thing where you can co-op. You can play with somebody. And uh, we were using, like, normal teams. We picked Oakland because of their pitching. We want to use Montas. Oh, my God, the lineup. <laughs> Tony Kemp, Elvis Andrus, the two Mats, Seth Brown, who I do like, but then Piscotti, Pinder, uh, Sean Murphy. And the the game follows um, the the real life where Ramon Laureano wasn't available because of the suspension. So Luis, Luis Barrero was in center. And when I made this weak-armed throw from center, I was like, that's not Laureano. So, yeah, uh, that's where I learned that the Oakland lineup is rough right yeah. now. And if they trade either Matt game over yeah because then you're talking about that lineup with i don't even know who would play third base but probably uh dames is probably their first baseman and, yeah um, which I, I don't hate but he's not matt olsen no. i would say maybe pinder could go to third and then skybolt could play the outfield or if a male machine could play third like that they can move it does it matter is the thing does it really matter because it's not gonna be anybody good no and i mean i i feel for elvis on drew sue like 
like spent all those years on those bad Texas teams and now is is stuck in Oakland. Got, got just, to Oakland thinking like, hey, I'm on I'm on a good hey, this is a, this a, a contender, right? They're going for a playoff spot. You know, and then yeah. So here's the thing. Like Oakland has never been shy about having a downturn before they rise back up. You know, they finished second, second, first, and then third last year. Uh, that was after three straight fifths in the division from 2015 through 2017. And then it was second, first, first, third, second, but then fourth and a couple thirds, right? So they might be ready for another two, three-year down period. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of see what's up with them. But it's not going to be good. I, I don't think it's going to be particularly good. So that's why I'm not really taking Matt Olson because the price, like you said, um, and I'm more worried if he stays there than where he goes. But I just prefer Goldie and Alonzo at, at their discounts. I'm really keen on Alonzo. I think if you're making a list of guys that have the best chance at 50 homers, is he not tops on it? Because even guys like Judge and Stanton, who are there as well, they don't have the health track record that he does. So I think I'd put Alonzo as the number yeah. one guy with the best chance at 50. Plus you have the DH, the national league and yep. he, you know, maybe some of the days he would have had a day off is actually spent at DH. Um, yeah. I mean, if I was making a bet on who was going to lead the majors in home runs, uh, I bet you the odds would steer me towards going with Alonzo. Yeah. Cause um, if he wasn't the shortest odds then I'm definitely mm -hmm. taking him. Yeah, exactly. So, so. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, I like Alonzo a lot. Uh, I don't end up with him very often necessarily just because I'm typically looking for something that his profile isn't really strong in, whether it's stolen bases, started pitching, uh, saves, something like that. But he does go in a period there where if you don't have those things, yeah. you might be more keen to getting those. Exactly. But you know, hopefully by the time I get there, I am actually okay in those um, in those categories, and I can uh, I can uh, take a shot on Alonzo if I want, especially when he falls. Like it, he definitely does fall in drafts. He does, and yeah, I'm I'm loving Alonzo, and I'm really excited about him this year. I think he's going to have another big year. I agree with you on the DH piece. Could maybe add to his bottom line, even though he already plays a ton. 152 last year, 57 in the 60 season, and then 161 in his amazing rookie year. Abreu. Older, is he a bit overlooked? Are, are, you know, we talk about the fantasy community, ageism all the mm -hmm. time. Uh, and that's like mostly tongue-in-cheek, but I'm not actually saying it's ageism for anybody that's ever taken that seriously. It's, I mean, we are ageist, but not in I, that, I absolutely like, think it's ageism. No, no, it, it is correct, but I'm not saying that like it needs to be corrected is what yeah, I'm saying. Like, yeah. I think it, it's smart to not draft older players, generally speaking, because they are going to regress. You know, mm -hmm. age will catch up to them. But – it does create pockets of value with guys who have kind of beat the age curve. And uh, I think Abreu might be one of those guys. I mean, he's as consistent as it gets. Uh, his batting average came down a bit last year to 261, but it was a career low 293 Babbitt. He's kind of 3,100 in the bank. Is Abreu underdrafted at, at uh, pick 91 as a 35 year old, or is this fair based on the age and the depth of the position, et cetera? Like, where do you come out on Abreu? I mean, he probably is underdrafted. He's one of the guys that fits perfectly into my uh, standalone league punt batting average theory because uh, here are his batting averages over the last four seasons. Uh, in 2017, uh, or la last five seasons, 2017, he hit 304, 2018, 265, 2019, 
284, 2020, 317 last year, 261. And the 265 from 2018 had a 294 BABIP. So the two times yeah. that his BABIP has dipped below 300, his average was a okay 260-something. I just mean, like, good luck projecting what he's going to do in batting yeah. average. Like, this is this, these are the perfect guys for punt batting average, or, or the guys with, you know, Because he might be a punt. Yeah. He might come right back exactly. to you and, at 300. Exactly. And that, that's what you're hoping for for a guy like Abreu uh, in, in a standard league. Obviously, if you're playing in a league overall, you don't do that. But, um, you know, those of you playing your home leagues and, and want to, you know, play around with, with punting batting average, Abreu is one of those kind of guys that I like. I mean, 3,100 is pretty awesome. Excellent. You know, yeah. it's he's in the middle of a fantastic lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, outside of Vlad, arguably the best lineup, you know, of the guys we've talked about so far. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he probably is underdrafted. Again, he just falls into that uh, kind of trap that I think Alonzo falls into for me, which is by the time I get to the place where he's being drafted, I, I'm usually looking for something else. Um, sure. I, I get that. I definitely get that. Um, who's your favorite of these four then based on their price? Gold and, and talent. Okay, Goldie Gold at pick 58. Yeah, because cause he offers. Speed. yeah, he offers a little bit of speed. Absolutely, and I, I, I still really like him. And yes, he's older, but I, I don't care. I, Paul Goldschmidt, it just looks so rock solid. All right, moving on, we're going to go to the power players. We had this category in uh, catching as well, kind of these these mid tier guys that uh, just deliver big pop. Ryan Mountcastle, Reese Hoskins, Jared Walsh, CJ Crone, Josh Bell, Joey Votto, and Trey Mancini. Instead of giving all their ADPs at once, as we talk about them, I'll give their ADP. Let's start at the front there. Um, this is not ADP order necessarily, though. Ryan Mountcastle has first and outfield eligibility. He's pick 120. Fences are moved back. He's right-handed. He's going to feel that a little bit more. Um, after the big season last year, are you in on Mountcastle? And then, if you were earlier, did the, did the uh, wall change impact you after his 33 homer, 89 RBI season with a 255 average with Fire Mountcastle. How do you feel now? Yeah, I was really in on him, especially at the ADP um, early on in draft season. And then his ADP started to rise and they became less comfortable with it. And then the news came out that they're moving the fences back. He's probably the person who's most affected by it out of that entire lineup. And so I've definitely soured on Mountcastle quite a bit. Um, I still think he's a, a good player. I still think he will be uh, pretty good, but it's hard to draft a guy that is mainly power only, um, yeah. and you're real unsure about what the power output's going to be. Because I mean, part of the uh, my love for him was the fact he's playing in Camden. Camden, mm-hmm. you know, he's one of those guys that I'm a little, you know, that he doesn't have good stat cast data. He's never had good stat cast data, yet he's always just hit. He's hit at every level. I think he will continue to hit. I just wonder if it's going to be more doubles uh, this year as opposed to a bunch of home runs, which, you know, in a points league, great. Awesome. You know, yeah. you know, because you get points for that. Um, in yeah, it's just production. A, in a roto league. Not so much, and so he hit. He went from being at the easily at the top of this tier, especially with his outfield eligibility, um, to the bottom of this tier because of that fence move. So that that's extremely disappointing for me. 
that is a bummer with Mount Castle, and I kind of soured on him a little bit as well, related uh, to the rising cost with the with, with the fence move uh, as well. I, I kind of have CJ Crone as as the top guy in this tier for me. You know, I don't think he's going to lose a ton of homers, but an incremental homer or three in this tier can really move you because it's a tight cluster of guys. He did spray his home runs pretty nicely last year. If you go look on on Savant, you can see there uh, the the pink dots are are dotted across the outfield there. Then those are his home runs on the spray chart. But there was always there was always some risk with the, you know a twenty eight percent strikeout rate. Uh, that maybe his batting average will go down. 255 is pretty good. I, I can handle that with 30 homers. But if it's closer to 240 and he eats up, you know, he's on the other side of 30 with his homers, it becomes a lot more bland there. Mm-hmm. I know he's young. Uh, I don't think Mountcastle at age 25 is, you know, kind of locked into who he is. We could see maybe some growth. And I do like the outfield. But I have also soured on him to the point where I'm not really getting him. Mm-hmm. I'm leaning on any of the next five guys, including his teammate Trey Mancini. Let's stay in Baltimore with Mancini real quick. Trey Mancini, I included in this group, even though he has a 191 ADP. I did that on purpose, though, because he's the lowest ADP, and it makes me really like him. I think Trey Mancini's every bit as good as Mountcastle, if not better, and completely belongs in this group. I think he's an ADP gem. Uh, How do you feel about Trey Mancini? He rebounded last year from cancer brilliantly, and I think he's kind of underrated a bit. Yeah, I have not gotten Mancini anywhere. Um, he's not necessarily a target for me. I, you know, I, I don't know quite what to make of him. You know, there's been so much missed time, right, with with, with cancer. And, I mean, he came back. He was fantastic last year. It, you know, 21 home runs and 250 – or with uh, 255 batting average in 147 games. That doesn't move the needle much. Now – we but can, I don't think that's all he is. I think that's like I, a return year, and then the power pushes back toward 30 this year. And that's how I feel about Mancini. And I think a lot of people in the industry are starting to say that is, you know, hey, you know, we give him a pass. And I'm totally fine giving him a pass, but I don't, I have a hard time projecting him where I feel more comfortable projecting some of the other guys. And I just don't think there is really a crap ton of upside in Mancini where some of these other guys in this tier, like I could conceivably see be 40 home run guys um and so i don't end up with him um you know it doesn't mean i'm opposed to drafting him he's going way later than the rest of the tier mm-hmm. uh and so i think you know especially if i miss out on a lot of the guys in this tier yeah man, he's, he's, he can be a nice fallback i agree yeah. with that but is he is he any better than like frank schwindel to me not really um wait a minute I Wait really like Frank Schwindel. I mean, I, I'm actually, you know, we're going to get to him. I'm not, I'm not anti Frank Schwindel, but I do think a 30 year old journeyman who comes out of nowhere to deliver, uh, you know, this power surge that we saw for 64 games, I'm not putting him on the same tier as Trey Mancini, who's been a 30 home run hitter and an established big leaguer. I can't quite get there. I do think I, Trey Mancini I has. I have concerns. A what, what if the power just never really comes back for Mancini? Like that is not an unrealistic. Of, yeah, it's in the range of outcomes. It's sure, it's, sure. But you what know, if Frank Schwindel was a stone cold fluke? Then I'm in some trouble. <laughs> How much you got of him? 
I've got a fair amount. I think you got I've a lot of Schwindy. Okay. I think, I, I think I've got him in like four or five leagues. Um, Here's the thing: if, if if all I get is a repeat from Mancini, I think that's fine based on the price. So if the power doesn't come back, I don't think that's terrible. But I think what you're getting is is the potential of the power to return, and at the same time, you're getting a firm what like. 18 to 20th ranked first baseman with those, with those numbers last year. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. have it handy, but I got to imagine he, had, he was around there. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem with where he's going. I just, there's so many other guys I prefer. It okay. seems unlikely I'm going to end up with him. Okay. Okay. And we'll get more into Schwindel here in just a moment, but let's stick with this tier here and talk some Reese Hoskins who I've started to move up uh, or actually I've started moving him up a while ago, but you know, I had some major concerns about his health. Me too. Uh, with relation to you know the the uh, surgery that he had at the end of last year, with uh, the abdominal like the core surgery, mm-hmm. the things I'm seeing though is that he's supposed to be fully back from that, and that my concern was is that going to carry over? And you never know, surgery is always concerning, but the outlook is is starting to sharpen in a positive way where if he's going to be ready for day one and all that. Reese Hoskins is one of the best power guys in the league too. So I've kind of started to move him up and say, okay, maybe I was overrating it a little bit too much. I had him all the way down at like 22. I got him up now as my 11th first baseman. I'm, I'm in. I'm in on Hoskins. And if things are uh, bad and he is hurt, uh, I'll, I'll change it, of course. But as, it goes, as I'm going into these next set of drafts, I see Hoskins as somebody to get. Yeah, I've got Hoskins as my 10th first baseman. Yeah, so we're, um, so. we're right there. By the way, before you get in on him, uh, ADP of 139. Oh, see, that's going up because even on like our rank sheet, I haven't updated the ADP in a little while. It says the ADP is 158. Ah, so I'm not alone in. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people are. Because, um, I mean, let's be honest, he's Pete Alonso with a poor health track record. Yep. Exactly. In a much better park. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it would not surprise me if someday Hoskins stays healthy and hits 50 bombs. Could be this year. I mean, he had yeah. 27 in 107 games and his body was a mess because he, he had a, he had a groin issue too. In addition to the, to the core surgery he had to get. So if he does come in and kind of feeling a hundred percent, I agree with you. Hoskins yeah. is a great long shot bet for 40 plus and 50 plus. Um, if you if you make those sort of prop bets, I know some folks can do yeah, that sort I of mean, stuff on like DraftKings and whatnot. Well, we'll be in Vegas here. Uh, That's in a, right. In a few weeks, I we might, can get a few bets in because I, I, I wonder. I wonder what a hundred dollar bet on Reese Hoskins leading the majors and homers pays out. Because um, I I hate the fact that I can't make any sort of like legal prop bets drives, or anything like that in, in California. So same same um, here in Texas. So, but yeah, uh, I, I like Hoskins a lot. He's definitely a guy I've been targeting uh, more recently. Haven't got him a ton because I think, like I said, the you know the everybody, on him. yeah, everybody is kind of starting to get in on him. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's probably my second favorite guy out of this tier. Um, I just redid my first base ranks. I should update that with a date. By the um, way, since Valentine's Day, ADP one twenty nine for Hoskins. It's yeah. still cooking. Yeah, so upward. Yeah, yeah, and it probably will continue to rise, but I, I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not it's it's not even at a cost prohibitive spot right now. It's just that that discount that folks were getting. So credit to those who were bought in from from day one this fall because yep. they got some 
spicy Reese Hoskins prices. Yep, I agree. And I, and I'm jealous of those folks, including in that draft that we did. That again, this uh, this was a DC from a long time ago. Um, he went 190 in that league. Oh, could wow. you imagine getting Reese Hoskins one? That's who, what it was who, back. Who, who got him? DC won Harsum Chuck. Harsum Chuck. Don't remember who that was. H A R S O M Chuck. Hmm. So uh, yeah. apparently, I've not drafted Hoskins this year. So you've been targeting him, but missing him. Yeah, that's okay. a bummer. I need to change that. Yeah, I I, I like Hoskins. I did uh, just trade for him in that thirty team hundred man roster. Your mind hundred man roster league. I, I made a trade that included me sending you Darvish in the pick for uh, for Hoskins. Okay. This is like on that. base on base percentage format. I like that. So I have uh, four completed drafts that that would show up in my shares right now. I have one guy a hundred percent, and he's at first base. You should be able to guess this. Do you, do you want to try to guess who it is? Uh, you have one guy at first base. I have one guy who's a hundred percent. He's a first baseman. We have not discussed him yet. It's. It's definitely somebody that you know I'm obsessed with. It's it's so on is, brand. Is it Luke Voigt? It is. Yeah. <laughs> of course, that's the only guy I have on 100%. I knew, I knew you nailed it. I, like did, I you, had, did you take him the draft we're currently in? Uh, let me see if I did here real quick. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I did. So that's five because that yeah. one's not counted yet. And so, yeah, yeah that's, that's five. Five out of five, baby. Luke Voigt. And I'll get to that in a moment because I, I I stand by that. That's not like a meme or anything. I just you know I, 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 I love I his move, price. I need to move him up a little bit. I I love his price. I, I think it's very nice. But we're still here on this tier. So let me get back to to these folks here. Uh, we're looking at Jared Walsh next, the guy that you and I have really liked. Uh, huge on him last year. Feel very good about uh, my my advocacy for Jared Walsh. I feel like we all got. If you if you join me on that uh, journey, I think everything went pretty well there. Even though. The second half was a little bit dry, and his work against lefties was really rough. He was a homer and two ribbies shy of 3,100, despite the fact that he only had a 565 OPS against lefties. And, um, oh, it wasn't the whole second half. Okay, I keep hearing this whole second half, Jared Walsh. He did have a 783 OPS, which is not awesome, but it was really July that was bad. He had a 543 OPS there, but then 796 in August, which is meh, but then 929 with four homers in September, so he closed strong. So I don't know. I'm hearing I'm hearing second Walsh, Jared, second half Jared Walsh, and I don't see a big issue. He is terrible against lefties. He did hit ten homers against them, though. Do you have any concerns that he will lose some of those incremental at bats against lefties that could maybe cut into his homer count, or do they just not have anybody that they will play ahead of him anyway? Um, I kind of feel about. Walsh, uh, like I feel sitting in my office right now. There is currently, and, and for those of you who are watching this, there is currently a bee and a fly <laughs> roaming around my office. The fly, whatever, the bee. Um, if I start running and screaming or running away and screaming, that is why. It's and that's of kind bee. of how I felt about Jared Walsh. So, uh, <laughs> because I was, I, you know, I wasn't as in on him last year with you. Uh, but I did get him in a few spots. Uh, I appreciated uh, that you kind of pushed me in that direction at times uh, because he was fantastic. But you look at those splits and they are absolutely frightening. Not so much worried about what he did in the second half. I'm more worried about what he 
you know, did against lefties um, because he's got a platoon happy manager. Um, and, and he's picked uh, 124. You don't want to take a platoon guy at 124. So I understand. Yeah. Um, that being said, at the moment, he doesn't have a platoon partner on that team. There is nobody yeah. on that roster. Ice is or, yeah. And nobody in or even in the like high levels of the minors that I think could come up and platoon with him. Uh, supposedly his defense is pretty good too. So maybe that helps. There's no more Pujols on the roster. Um, I think we'll know pretty quick if the angels sign someone who seems like, Hey, this guy could be a first base platoon bat. And uh, then that'll tell a, you. Yeah. He has a 900 OPS against lefties in his career. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Not that Mike Rousseau is like available or anything, but yeah. a Mike Rousseau type. You know, guy. Type. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So even though uh, Wilmer Flores' splits have actually evened out a little bit in recent years, but he's known as like a lefty killer. That's a good point. Keep an eye on that. See if they bring in somebody for Walsh. But if not, I think you can confidently trust I, him. I have drafted him. Like I do like the player. I do like the price. He's also a guy that because he was pitching and hitting in the minor leagues, mm-hmm. he may be kind of a little bit slow to learn some of this stuff. So um you know, maybe he's one of these guys who just gets better with time, uh, even though he's not like a young prospect or something. So yeah. I think there's still room for growth. And if he's a guy who can learn how to hit 250 against lefties or 220 <sighs> against lefties, That'd be- uh, you're talking about potentially another five, you know, maybe even 10 home runs uh, because we know he's got power to that side of the field. So yeah. uh, I think, you know, Yes. Is there a little bit scariness in his profile? Absolutely. I have dropped in my ranks because of that. Uh, but yeah. I'm not. Uh, currently, he is. Uh, I have him as my 13th. Okay. Okay. Uh, so first base. Down there a little bit. So he's right above uh, Mountcastle and right below CJ Cron. So I think there, there's definitely a little risk to profile. Uh, that there isn't with some of the other guys in this tier. Though, I think almost every guy in this tier has some sort of red flag. It's kind of picking and choosing which red flag you want to go with. Yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's fair. See, what's CJ Crohn's though? Because he's my number one guy. At this, Injury. In this, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, is, that is completely fair. Um, I have him I have him ahead of Jose Abreu, even. You I have, love CJ Crone. You have CJ Crone ahead of Jose Abreu? He's sixth at first base for me, yeah. I mean, he completely panned out how he wanted in Coors, right? There was that big rush of his ADP when he got signed because the projections came out and everyone was like going crazy. He hit 281, 28, 92 in 142 games. I understand the health with 142 games in 2021, 125 in 2019, and 140 in 2018. Some of that is um, some of that is losing games against uh, uh right-handers with Tampa Bay, but a lot of it's injury. Uh, and I, and his, te- his time with the angels was injury ridden for uh, CJ Crone, but he's in Coors and he's so good. I, I love him. I'm buying right back in this year. I, I, I mean, he had 280 and I don't need a full 280. Like I'm not banking on that, but if he comes, even if he comes down to 260 and goes 30, a hundred again, he was two homers and eight but, RBIs short. Of oh, that. you, he, I don't think he's going to go 30, a hundred. I mean, he might go thirty if he, he stays he- if he stays healthy. They got the DH there in the National well, League. You're going to say that their lineup's too bad to go hundred when he went ninety two last year with a dog shit team. He went ninety two, and and they got progressively worse. Losing okay. story. Who cares? 
Like, who cares? It's Colorado. Like, it, it does not matter. Um, and and fine. I, I mean, I don't I don't need one hundred there. I'll, I'll take you know thirty I mean, ninety. I'm probably not going to end up with a Brayu either. Um, but I think it's a little crazy to rank him above a Brayu. There's a, a much longer health track record with a Brayu. He's on a much better team. So older. Um, he's on a better team, but he's not in a, like. I think that team context has to be canceled out at least somewhat by the fact that he plays half his games in cores for Crone. I mean, and, and it's not like Crone is young. He's like 32. He's 32, but 32 to 35 is still a difference. Uh, a a three-year difference, absolutely. I don't know. I love Crone. Like, Crone hit 25-78, 253 with the Twins in 19. 30-74 with a 253 in 2018 with Tampa Bay. Couldn't land on a team. Had four homers in his 13 games with the Tigers before he got hurt. Like, all this guy does is produce and just gets passed around team to team. I, Thankfully, I, he's sticking I, in Colorado. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he is he's a good hitter and a good player, and but I just I think team context and lineup or you know team context lineup uh, and health. You got to put a Brady above him. I mean, you don't, but I don't. You're wrong I'm not, not to. I don't. I don't think I am. Like I, I, I like CJ Crone. I think he's really, really good. Um, I'm gonna. I want to dig in a little bit more on this injury history here and see what this perceived injuries are here. So he had a low. He had a lower back issue this year mm-hmm. or past year. Uh, it was the knee that that got him out of twenty. Um, that's Kevin Crone for that one. He had some. He had a thumb issue in nineteen. I don't know. I see the thumb. The knee in the back um, in the last three years, nothing chronic. I don't know. I'm not too worried about it. I, I think I think he plays. I'll get my you know my baseline of 140 games. If I can spike a buck 50 or more, it's great. But I'm playing half the games in Coors. I love CJ Crone. I I, I, I don't I'm, dislike him. I just I'm surprised to see you rank him above a Brayu. That's I mean I've got some issues with the Brayu. I think I don't know. I, I keep I keep looking. You for don't reason. like consistency. Yeah, I mean, I, he's good. I don't like 35-year-olds, I guess, which is weird. I'm 40. Who, who am I to do? Yeah, right? I'm 37. But, but no, like, I, yeah, when I can find an equivalent guy or, or near equal, I think, that is three years younger, I am going to let the age kind of dictate it. Like, I don't see that much difference between Crone and Abreu. Um, so I, think, I, will, I think if I you want to say, Crone. like, based on the price, I, I get it. But I think – and it just a well, that's part one. of it too. Yeah, no, no. And that part I get. In a straight one for one, I don't think there should be much of an argument. But you disagree. And Speaking you, of, you and your purple shirt can just do what you want. You're damn right I can with my Vince Carter shirt. Speaking of insane prices from this draft, Pile of Dial got him at 223 Crone at 223 in that draft we did. What was going on with that draft? I 223 is insane. He's gone uh, up a lot. Abreu was the other way, by the way. He was 66. So Abreu's come down. Crone's gone up. Yeah, Crone's at 129 now is his ADP. But I'll pay it. I'm in. I love Crone. Um, all right, Josh Bell, another guy I actually love. I'm, I'm really in yeah. on Josh Bell now, too. Um, and it took some winter some winter study, uh, just kind of a collecting co- collection of, of reading stuff and, and studying further. I just think he's he's pretty rock solid at this point. And I know he had a, a kind of a tumultuous trajectory to get there last year with the terrible start. But actually, no, I'm, I'm actually going to 
correct my characterization there. It wasn't a tumultuous one. It was actually just a slow start that it took a while to to wear off, so to speak, because he had a 464 OPS in April. And because that's so bad, he still was sub 700 into mid-June, even though from May 1st to mid-June, he had a 782, which is perfectly yeah. palatable. It's not great. It's not great, but it's perfectly palatable. But honestly, if you just go from May 1st on, Josh Bell, 865 OPS. So he had that terrible, terrible April that took him a while to kind of push off of his stats. But his bottom line was still quite good. 261, 347, 476 with 27 homers, 88 ribbies. Um, that's a bad team. So that's why the counting categories were a little bit low. They're not going to be that much better this year, if at all. But that's fine. I think that's kind of put into the price. He has the same ADP as Crone at 129. And I'll take either. I like Josh Bell quite a bit too. I think um I think there is a little bit of the hate that's gone too far with some people that think that he was uh, there, there's a little bit of a perception among his detractors that 2019 was this spike year out of nowhere, and he's never really been good beyond that. And I disagree with that characterization. Yeah, he's a guy that I have recently really risen up in my ranks because i kind of had this feeling like he fell apart in 2019 he struggled at the beginning of 2021 like do we know who the real josh bell is but then actually i, I sat down and did a podcast um field division podcast with uh jordan eisen who's a cool kid uh in the industry um and uh he uh you know him and i were talking it out and he kind of brought me around a little bit on him and did a little more digging. I was like, man, not only was it really just April where he hit 113 uh, in the month of April, uh, he actually made real improvements against lefties, um, which has been a problem for him. Mm -hmm. So like he's becoming actually kind of a complete hitter. We know he has a ton of power in that bat. I mean, the dude is just jacked. Um, he's kind of starting to do what we've always wanted Andy Diaz to do, and we're <laughs> yeah. not—we don't have to pay for it. So, yeah, he's—he's uh, he's a guy that I don't know that I've gotten yet, but I want to. Yeah, I like Josh Bell a lot. One twenty-nine ADP, right in line there with CJ Crone. You know, and this isn't like pushback on you because I had the same perception until I was researching this offseason. Even twenty nineteen, he didn't really fall apart. It was June and July that kind of stabilized. Um, the power was still there, but the average came down. He hit 208 in June, 218 in July, with 229 and 222 BABIPs respectively. But he closed strong with a 927 and 803 OPS in August and September. And so I think there's this perception that he, he did, you know, coast to the finish line for Bell. But he no, he didn't. He surged back up. 20 was bad, but it was a two-month season. This is why you don't put too much in the two-month season. People got a huge discount on Josh Bell last year. That's not there this year, uh, but it is still a very fair price that I will pay for Josh Bell. Yeah, it was two, a two-month season on a Pittsburgh team that everybody knew wasn't going to be very good. There was rumors they were going to be trading him the entire mm -hmm. time. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you watch that away and you go, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I think most people are projecting for high 20s, low 30s home runs, but he's already got a 37 home run season on his ledger. Yeah, in, uh, Pittsburgh. In, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, so I, I think, yeah, he's a, he's a pretty decent gamble. I have him as my number nine first baseman. I've got him as eight. We are in pretty much lockstep yeah. there. Uh, all right, then Joey Votto's the last one here in the power players, and I'm just going to 
throw it directly to you. What, what, what's it do for an encore here? He sold out for power last year. Do you buy it? Um, or are you concerned that a 38-year-old who spikes some power out of nowhere, even somebody as good as Votto, uh, can't do it again? Where, where do you come out on him at age 38? I completely buy it. Uh, th- this was a you know a real change that he made. He got more aggressive. He said, you know, and even talked about this in the media, like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, I've been known as this really patient guy, but I want to hit home runs, and the way to do that is to become a little more aggressive and a little less patient and uh, attack the zone. And that's what he, he still did. walked fourteen percent. Yeah, Dude, that's the funniest part. It he's, barely touched his walk rate. Votto's he, a guy. He's just an, got an elite eye. I mean, it may be one of the best eyes that baseball has ever seen. Um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, we'll put it up there with anybody's. I mean, yeah. when he gets called out on a, on like a close called strike, I always defer to him. I'm like, the yep. got it wrong. I'm like, they yep. got it wrong. No, they got it wrong. If he didn't swing at it, it wasn't striking. <laughs> um, 36 homers and 99 ribbies in 129 games, Justin. Yeah. He didn't play all year. And now you got the DH where I assume they will – use him a fair amount in order to keep him healthy. Uh, I think Votto is uh, a really, really nice gamble. Uh, definitely a guy I've taken already and will continue to take throughout the draft season. Pick 146 on average for Joey yeah. Votto. Easy to pay that, I think, um, because I think some of the concerns about age and whatnot are built into that price. Once again, I have lied. I have not taken him. What oh, is going on? You're lying. So, yeah. so okay, Um I guess you'd have to search. I was going to say, can you figure out who you've been getting at first base? Because you've had a few good guys that you say are targets, but you're kind of missing out on them. Uh, as you're looking over your list, who are you getting consistently? Um, uh, I am scrolling down, and really, nobody. Like Schwindel? Is... How many Schwindels you got? Because you did uh, mention him uh, earlier. Apparently, I've got one drafted Schwindel and one that is in the league that we're drafting right now. Yeah, so, so that, that one won't show in the list just um, yet. But I don't really even see – I've got to be missing somebody, but um, I don't necessarily even see uh, – Freddie Freeman, I have two. Okay. Uh, and Evan White, I've got three. Well, you're on that Evan White train. He's, he's just going so cheap. And I mean, yeah, he's, he's like – He's I mean, free. We talk uh, about free, exactly. I know – you know, oh, uh, here it is. Someone in over half of my drafted league so far. It will be half once this draft finishes because I did not get him in this league. Bobby Bradley. Bobby Bradley. Okay, you talked about him on on the um, gold digging. We talked yep. about how you know he could be somebody, but not, that should be more of your corner util than your than your starting first baseman. Though. Yeah, but I mean, other than Freeman, um, and I guess now Schwindel. Once this draft finishes, um, I I've been clearly spreading it around. Spreading and I it think- out. I think that speaks to the depth there at the position is that I can leave a draft with a lot of different guys and feel pretty comfortable. Yeah, because we've said throughout these first several tiers that we like him, we like him, we like him, we like him. Like, you know, we're, we're targeting him. You a, can a, only draft two to three, right? Exactly. You know, exactly. So. Um, you did mention one of these guys that you have. I, I put these under the fake first baseman. And what I mean by that with DJ LeMayhew, Jake Cronenworth, and Ty France is that you might prefer them elsewhere. You and I like the depth of first base. We like that power there. If you get power elsewhere, you can put one of these lighter power guys there. That's fine. There are builds that that totally works. 
Yep. But the way second base looks this year, I think all three of these guys are better put at second base. That's why I called them the fake first baseman with LeMahieu, Cronenworth, and France. Uh, LeMahieu goes pick 119 on average over the last month. Cronenworth at 125 right behind him. And then France a good bit behind them at 152. Is LeMahieu your favorite here or just the one you've ended up with the most? I think LeMahieu is just the one I've ended up with the most. Um, I've got Cronenworth ranked even above that previous tier. Um, but I've got LeMahieu ranked above that previous year too. Um, so, but I've got, I've got Cronenworth one spot higher than LeMahieu. Uh, you know, just, I don't think there are any real question marks about Cronenworth. I think, you know, I think you can pretty much pencil in 20 low twenties homers, uh, a decent batting average, uh, some chip and stolen bases, a boatload of runs in triple eligibility. And I, I love the eligibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I think you, you, I, I believe LeMahieu is going to bounce back. I do. To, to uh, what though? Let's let's get into that specifically. What do you think he bounces back to, particularly with his power? Because that's the thing. You know, the average was down too. I think a lot of people can get behind the average coming back for DJ LeMahieu. But what's the power output for you now after, you know, uh, spike the big 26 in 2019? We all knew that that would come down a bit. But put up 10 more in 50 games in 2020 but then just 10 last year in 150 games. So it ping-ponged around a bit. Where's the power wind up for you with LeMahieu? I think it's high teens, maybe low 20s. Okay, that'd be amazing, especially if he gets back his yeah. batting average into the into the high 290s, low 300s. So, I mean, I think clearly the injuries hurt him last year. Yeah. You, you know, playing through, through a hernia. Um, so I, I think he's going to bounce back and, and kind of be fine. He's just too good of a hitter. Uh you know, the question is, what power did we get? But he seems pretty good in that park. Um, and he's going to be hitting on top of that lineup. So even if he, let's say he has 15 home runs, will I be disappointed? Yes. Uh, will I still recruit my draft costs if he's hitting 300 again? Absolutely. Uh, so I love the triple eligibility, first, second, third. So, yep. uh, yeah, give, I, I'm, I'm totally fine drafting LeMahieu. I, I, in this draft we're in right now, He's one of the guys on my team. I think I already mentioned that. So, Yeah, I have no problem getting LeMayhew or Cronenworth. I could see a build where I might get both. You know, if it's on if it's on like yep. an elbow there and I can just go bing, bang, I, I would be open to it. I would be open to it. I have not done that yet or anything. Um, in the drafts that we're in right now, I took Walsh and Voigt in the uh in the triple play draft that we're in and then i'm also in Razzlam, but Razzlam is completely different so it's not even necessarily worth saying who i've got there but i do have hoskins and, and cronenworth and goldschmidt actually but um yeah di- different different league there with the cut line best ball um all right ty france i think we talked about him a while ago and i mentioned that i had a bold prediction in my roster review of the uh, of the mariners that he could hit 30 homers and i believe that I believe that that is a, you know, again, bold prediction. We know that that's a, a low-end probability, but something that could happen. I think he's got a, I think he's got the hitting ability already that we've seen that if he kind of, you know, keeps developing the power, tweaks a little bit, maybe sells out the, the contact a little bit for some more pop because he is a 46% ground ball rate guy last year. But I think Ty France can have a banger year. I think even as is, I like him. But I could see a big power explosion from France that some might not be expecting. Yeah, I don't see it. Um, I, I think he can be. Um, I think he could 
potentially be like a low twenties, really good batting average guy that you know in that lineup, which I think is going to be pretty good. Thirteen percent homer to fly ball rate guy though, like that's just. He's also a career like thirty percent fly ball guy. Obviously, it'd require a change. That's the whole point. I need to see that change though. Like I am not gonna. To have to have everything laid out for you, then you're not going to really get in on, you know, how, how do you how do you envision breakouts? Then everything has to already be there in the stats. I, I don't know. I think, and again, this is a bold prediction. This is not something I'm hanging my hat on. That I, I'm not saying it homers. can't happen. I'm not 18 last year, just, I think it's not even that crazy that he would hit 30. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it can't happen. I just, to me, I'm never going to end up with him because of the other guys at the position. Like I just feel so much better about guys going in front of him behind him um really yeah i do interesting french so not in on it yeah i'm just not in it's not in you're, you're buying how do i own, how do i only ha- yeah how do i only have two shares of frank Schwindel? This is i mean yeah you're you're obsessed with him apparently you're, bu- you're buying what, what he's done in like nine games but frank Schwindel is the is the next cedric mullins oh god gross all right uh, the next group is called the max muncie it's just Max Muncy. <laughs> I didn't really know what to do with him. Obviously, I don't even think you have him Don't right draft now. him. Yeah, I, I know. Do, I that's... do have him ranked. I have oh, him yeah, ranked yeah, 34th. Yeah. Um, right behind... Might as well not even have him. Rowdy Telez, who needs to come up a fair amount, and Darren Ruff, who does not need to come up any. No, Darren Ruff is, is fine where he's at on that. Um, yeah, I've got Rowdy Tellez at 26. I'm, I like Rowdy Tellez. But, yeah, I got Muncie at 19. I don't know, man. Like, obviously, the last bit of news, the thing that everyone goes and sees is that, you know, uh, from his MLB Network appearance back in November that said he's not recovering as quick as he would like. Well, and that he has a tour in UCL. Well, Sure. Yeah, I mean, that, but, it's not the not recovering as quickly as he'd like. It's no, I think it's that. UCL, I think it's absolutely UCL that part. he's not recovering as quick. Do you know how many guys have, like, a partially torn UCL? Do you know how I many don't want to draft pitchers? them. You, you are drafting them is what I'm I saying. Ju- I just draft. Well, I know, but I don't know about it. Okay. I can't, uh, I can't do anything about information I don't have. I can do something with what the information I'm saying, I though, do have. You might be overreacting to it just because you know the information. I'm, I'm, if you're I'm, already I'm, drafting guys that do have it, uh, that's all I'm saying. I completely agree with you that okay. we have so little information that we tend to overreact to the information that we do have, but I can only work with the information I do have. And the information I, I have that. currently is that Max Muncy is not recovering well from a torn UCL and the Dodgers are interested in Freddie Freeman. Pick now. Yeah, I know. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Now the Dodgers may have already been interested in Freddie Freeman Yeah, with them because they would put together an all-star team if they could. Um, They're trying. That, yeah. That being said, I am not drafting Max Muncy in spite of the fact that I absolutely love him. Yeah, I adore Max Muncy. Pick 176. A max of two eighteen, like there's no cutoff there for you where the price is worth it. I mean, you took like four hundred twelve. You're known for taking injured players. You took like four hundred twelve on your first main event. Uh-huh. Uh, you have run if completely it, the other way. That's this. You. Yeah, it, I have. I absolutely have. Um, if this You're was my not first a bad idea, by the way, of course it's not. I since I started becoming injury averse as opposed to what I did, I've become a lot more successful player. Um, 
So, but that being said, like, I just did, can't. Did Dave teach you how to become injury averse just by? No, lighting $1,700 on fire <laughs> and never hearing the end of it has made me more injury adverse. Um, good, good. So, but yeah, I just, I love Max Muncy. When we did the AFL draft in October prior to any information about yeah. this, I, I don't think the injury had happened yet. Because didn't it happen playoffs in the playoffs? Were going on. Yeah, I think it so, happened in the playoffs, right? So, yeah, um, I think so. The majority of the people in our draft did not come prepared, and so I was the only person with ranks, and I gave you them not out. The only person with ranks, like I, actual ranks that had been done and all that. Oh, I had my own. Yeah, well, you actually came prepared, but a lot of people yeah. did not, and so True. people asked me if they could use my ranks just to have a player list, and I said sure. And I got some looks when they saw that Max Muncie was my fourth, my fourth first baseman. You because you, you were you were super keen on. Him. I was yeah, I, extremely I high on him. I don't think Max Muncie would be very high for me. I agree. Yeah, but the injury is just he is a no go for me until we see him play multiple days in a row. I mean, you can't go broke doing that. So yeah. I understand that, right? It just just an avoidance thing. Somebody might hit a hit him. You know, uh, land uh, gold mine there by getting him that late if he yep. plays and he goes 30 90. But an avoidance of him does not necessarily cost you with regards to Max Muncie. I, I totally agree with that. I understand that. I don't have him anywhere um, outside of a shared league with my friend Greg Martin. We took him. This was the very first draft of the NFBC season. And uh, so, again, Things were uncertain. We didn't. We didn't even know that he wasn't recovering as well. This was well before November 29th when that uh, MLB Network appearance happened. So we have a Max Muncie share from from way back when. But uh, I'm not drafting him. But I'm also, it's not a hard avoid, right? I got him 19th on my list. But guess who's 17th? Luke Voigt. So you know who I'm taking in that range. There, it's it's Luke Voigt eight million times. Even well, Luke Voigt's ADP is cheaper. I guess I usually just pass on Muncie and we'll take my other injured guy in the form of Luke Voigt. So I, I get it. Um, I think a lot of people are averse to Muncie right now, and I, I totally understand. I I am surprised that his ADP isn't lower though. Uh, so there's some people still drafting him because he has a min of one twenty three. I wonder if that's auto pick. I don't know. We saw him go in like the seventh round or eighth round of labor the other night. He did? Yeah. Man, I guess some people just aren't aren't as averse and maybe worrying about the, the that news there. But I, I understand the concerns. All right, let's yeah. talk about the next wave. And I did include your boy, even though he's 500 years old. But uh, he is just getting his career off the ground in Frank Schwindel. So it's Alex Kirloff, Nathaniel Lowe. We go by Nathaniel now instead of Nate. Bobby Dahlbeck, Frank Schwindel, Spencer Torkelson. And I even included Rowdy Telez. You know, obviously this is a mix of like legit prospects, but then also some guys who, uh, you know, still haven't fully made their mark. Rowdy Telez is 27 years old. I still think he has a bright future. So I included him. Frank Schwindel just debuted, at, or not debuted, but uh, broke out at age 29. He'll be age 30 this year. So, you know, I, I took I took some liberties with the naming of this class and who I included. But these guys could be big up-and-comers this year that that really turn the tide for people that draft them. Let's start with Kirilov because I've soured on him as the offseason has gone on just because I'm a little bit more concerned about the wrist than I was uh, at the outset of draft season. So he's got an ADP of 188 as the 19th, out, uh, 19th first baseman off the board. He does have first base slash outfield, which is nice. Love the talent, 
wish I had a better read on the health. And because I don't, I actually moved him down quite a bit. And uh, I've been I've been kind of laying off the Kirilov situation. Where do you currently stand with him after the wrist surgery to end last year? He was one of those guys when like I did my ranks in in uh, September that I was like I'm I'm gonna be getting a lot of Kirilov. I Same. really yep. I felt like the market was gonna discount him. Top prospects that don't do well in their first go around always get devalued. Um, he's coming off an injury. People are going to completely just miss him on the ADP. Um, and I could not be more wrong. Like, nobody is discounting him. He's actually overvalued at this point, uh, which, like is a, right. which is a bummer because I'm really interested in him, and I, I wouldn't mind having him on a team or two. But uh, I think I do have him somewhere. Um, Prove it. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to look because I feel like I did draft him early. Uh, I well, did. Well, go ahead. I drafted him in my first NFBC draft champions. League. Okay, there you go. So, um, but since then I haven't touched him. Uh, so in in this one that we did again, that's that's on the far right of the ADP board. It, he went two sixteen, so right in line with his AD, ADP of one eighty eight. So you know, perfectly within the range uh, that he normally goes. One forty six is the min over the last month. Two thirty five is the max for Alex Kirilov. You know, the power had just gotten going too when that injury p- cropped up. Required surgery, ended his season prematurely. And again, you talk about power, wrist injury, not good, not good for uh, for power issues. Uh, that's and what this has, has been absurd. And this has been a reoccurring thing, correct? Since even before he was in a a minor leaguer, um, I got him in the back end of the fourteenth round in Ooh. that draft, and that feels way high. Uh, got a first baseman who went after him. Uh, Frank Schwindel, Bobby Dahlbeck, Luke Voigt, uh, Nathaniel Lowe, um, Roddy Telez, Eric Cosmer. Like, uh, yeah, there's there's a number of those guys that I actually prefer at this point. So, you know, ranks change. He's definitely gone lower yeah. in mine. Things, things uh, change over the course of the offseason for sure. So we're kind of tepid on Kirilov right now. I will say, though, that first sign in, in spring that he's healthy and looking good. Yeah, he'll shoot up. Uh, and I'll I'll be part of it. I think too. Uh, I, I don't. I I doubt I will be. I I just need the I just need the sign really that that he's good to go. Uh, all right, moving on to Nathaniel Lowe. And again, used to be Nate, now Nathaniel. I am really intrigued by him. I think that his season from last year is a little bit under the radar uh, of what he did. I mean, all this talk about speed. And he went eight for eight on the bases there at first base. And that the incremental speed at positions that you don't expect it, like catcher and first base, they don't need a lot to be impactful. So even if he came back down to like six or something, that those six stolen bases, again, I'm not saying that they're going to make your draft and then you don't have to draft steals. But incremental speed at, at unexpected positions is so nice. I think there's power upside for low. And if he continues to chip in some steals, I think we could have a nice breakout here. And then – uh, Jake Melot wrote a Nathaniel Lowe has breakout potential piece on Valentine's Day too. That I'm like, okay, I'm I'm even further on board now because we're getting front page front page stories about Lowe and he broke down everything about how his season went. And I really think there could be some uh, substantial upside here for Nathaniel Lowe. How do you come out on the 26 year old Texas first baseman? 
another one of these guys that I was extremely low on coming into, uh, you know, early part of draft season. Um, and then I wrote him up for the ADP market report mm-hmm. beginning of February uh, at first base. And uh, when I went to go do some more digging, as I do when guys pop up on on the, that kind of article, I went, oh, oh, this is cool. Oh, this is good. Oh, I like this. Yeah, uh, he is one change away from returning like second round value. That's what I'm saying. Um, and so for that reason, I'm in. I, you know, he's not a guy that I've been in on before. Uh, you know, one of the things that Jason had really, you know, hammered uh, home with him, uh, you know, doing pods with with him is that he's got a huge hole in his swing. Well, he closed that last year. Yeah, remember, Lowe came from Tampa Bay. Tampa That's Bay. why Jason yep. uh, probably mm-hmm. spoke a lot about him back when he was with Tampa Bay. Yeah, he, he really, really struggled getting to the high fastball, um, and he closed that. He had a 90% zone contact percentage last year. Uh, he's got a Sick. ton of power on that bat. The one issue is his launch angle. Yeah, I mean, that's where he's kind of, yeah, figure out to get the power. Yeah, he needs to learn how to elevate. If he does that, there's legit 35 plus homer power in the bat. A guy who, like you said, stole bases last year, um, could hit for average. Uh, So, I mean, it's obviously an if, but this is one of those kind of guys that I love to put on a bold predictions article. You know, bold prediction Nathaniel Lowe hits 30 home runs. Exactly. And is like a top seven first baseman because here's the thing that i love about low and why i do foresee him being on on more teams coming up for me a repeat is perfectly fine yep if we miss on the bull prediction and he just does what he did he's the 24th first baseman at pick 230 on average now i think he's going to go up uh i think there's going to be more of this interest in him and if you're going to write a piece and we're talking about him now and um you know couple other pods start getting in you'll see the community move him up yep. but even if he moves all the way up to say first baseman 1920 with Kirilov mancini pick pick one late late 100s pick he was the 18th first baseman last year as is with 18 yeah. and 8 and that i was just i was i was just looking that up like i just so, think it's yeah it's so, 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 there's so much upside to to be even better so i love nathaniel Lowe. i'm super in uh where do you have him ranked currently I currently have him ranked at 20th. Okay, so we're not too far. I have him at 18. And, uh, you know, I, this was this was a big jump for him. When I came into the offseason, I, I kind of gave him short shrift. I did not have my low uh, radar set there. And so I had him pretty pretty low, pun intended. And so now I've moved him up. Yeah, he's, I have him at 16, actually. I, and I even have a, I had a Luke Voigt. I have somebody ahead of Luke Voigt. You know that's some uh, that's some pretty big interest there because Luke Voigt's a god. Um, and I'm actually going to move him up two spots. Love it. I'm, I'm I, well, really, I moved other guys down, but yeah. So I've got him now at 18. So perfect, perfect. So we are uh, we we're big on Nathaniel Lowe. Let's continue on then and talk about Bobby Dalbeck. Uh, we've done the Dalbeck thing quite a bit. Um, yeah, I'm just there's other pods there. Yeah. I, I just think he's as bland as it gets. Appar- as a apparently, I've drafted Bobby Dahlbeck this year too. So, oh, you have. Um, 
yeah, he's just a power guy though. Like, yeah, if you, if you need late power, fine. The problem is, as as certain members of the industry start to really go, this is legit. He's gonna turn into a, a real dude. Um, his price has been going up, and so I doubt I get him again. This isn't even a diss, but he's just another Miguel Sano. Yeah, not necessarily with the health, and that was a big issue with Miguel Sano. So I will point I will point that part out, so that if Dalbeck stays healthy, he can he can maybe have the better trajectory that Sano has had because Sano has been kind of up and down because of his health. There's nothing wrong with with Dalbeck. Like he, you can. F- fit him into a team where he's going to have the low average and the big power. There are builds that that works to me. The last two months of the season are being made into some big change that he is. I see it as standard power stud variants, as opposed to changes that, uh, that is who he is now, because again, go look at Sano's month to month in, in his different years. And you might see some spikes and you'd be like, Oh, we can hang on to that as, as uh, new, no, I think it's just the variance on the high end uh, uh, of what a power guy can do. I just don't see anything different from Bobby Dalton. Like the, the one thing that kind of gets me with it is um, I, I think he's being touted for cutting his strikeout rate down to like 30% from 35. I'm like, that does not move the needle for me at all. In such a small sample, and we saw him do this previously. Yeah. Where in a small sample, he just hits everything. But yeah. it was also a small sample that was mostly against lefties, who he's always crushed. Mm-hmm. This uh, is Dahlbeck. We're, we're, uh, yes, we're, we're talking about Dahlbeck. Uh, he, the, the Red Sox have Tristan Cassis in the minor leagues, who's well, pretty like close to being a finished product. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Dahlbeck's one of those guys that has a huge range of outcomes. If he starts out hot, he could has a, have the potential to just – stay there all year but if he starts out cold and you get past those first three weeks what is stopping the red sox from replacing him with cassis and then he is nothing barry yeah Yeah. and that's the thing and i i I do think there is that that sharp downside for dahlbeck and why i have so much concern um and and just swing and miss like that is volatile Uh, let me get the actual numbers out april through july 38% 38% strikeout rate. Last two months, 29%. But again, I don't see that as like a, a large game. It wasn't as small of a, a, a dip as I thought, so I, I was wrong on that. But it still had a huge swinging strike rate. I just think he was running hot for two months. I don't know that Kyle Schwarber unlocked anything with Bobby Dahlbeck. I'm just not a huge fan. We don't have to belabor it because we have discussed it quite a bit. Let's get to your boy, Schwindel. We've hinted all around him a million times this episode. Let's start talking about Frank Schwindel. He did break out like literally out of nowhere. Like this is as out of nowhere as it gets. Uh, Journeyman type, you know, debuted with KC back in 2019 for 15 plate appearances, went one for 15. Um, It didn't get much better with his little debut with or return to the bigs with Oakland earlier in 2021 when he went three for 20. Goes over to the Cubs and just finds something. What he finds mostly is playing time. They just let him go and he popped off. By the way, nobody was making anything out of the 35 plate appearances before that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just that he was nothing on the radar. Like, he wasn't on the radar at all. So when he popped off and went 13 homers, 40 ribbies, 42 runs with a 342, 389, 613 slash, we were like, I'm sorry, what? 
He's not an imposing dude. Frank Schwindel looks more like a utility middle infielder than a power first baseman at 6'1", 220. And he's out there just hitting tanks. So what's up? Is this legit? I mean, again, you've been talking about a lot of this episode here. Break this down. Do we really need to be bought in on Frank Schwindel? He's going to have the playing time in Chicago. He's going to be 30 years old, kind of out of nowhere. What did he do last year that you like uh, as legitimate? He made a ton of contact, a ton with of zone power. contact with power. Nice. Yeah, uh, max exit velocity of 112, um, zone contact rate above 90%. I think it was like 91.2 or something like that. Uh, just, and he, you know, and was aggressive in the zone. And uh, as long as he is the first baseman, my major concern is I don't know what the hell the Cubs are doing. Really they don't, don't either, if that makes you feel any better. Well, that scares me. Um, <laughs> oh, you, you think that, a team should know what they're doing? I think they should, especially a team with as much money as the Cubs have. Okay, uh, fair. So that being said, I, I believe he's going to be the starting first baseman. Uh, and if he can get to five, 600 plate appearances, I think we could see 25-plus home runs and a really good batting average, like you know, 280, 290, uh, something like that. It's not a good team, so who knows what the runs and RBIs are going to be around him. The runs are probably going to be atrocious. RBIs, probably decent, you know, 80. Yeah, but at that, at that price, you know. Yeah, I, okay. I just think. Oh, I didn't give his price. I'm sorry. Frank Schwindel goes on average, pick 231, uh, a range of 196 to 268. So even at the high end, you're, you're around pick 200, which, you know, it's not free, but it's there's a lot of wiggle room there for Frank yeah. Schwindel. And that's why you like him, right? I, I like him a lot. You know, yeah. maybe the maybe the average isn't quite as high as I think it's going to be. But what'd you uh, say for the average? Like two eighty. I mean, the projections don't love him for that, but I don't think that's terribly out of pocket. If those strikeout, like, it, I mean, he's Frank Schwindel had minor league numbers like this. The thing was, yeah. like, he did have some he's good minor always, league numbers, but he he's just got always too old. made. Yeah, he's always made contact. Yeah, that's uh, the number one thing with Schwindel is contact. So if this power is legit. I, I think your average is more legit than your power projection. Oh, I, I think did, you could I, yeah. get 280 with like 17 homers. I'm not. I'm not dissing the. I'm saying between the two, I think the batting average oh. is more firm. Uh, but no, I think your whole projection is fair. Like Schwindel, you know, it's not a huge sample at 259 plate appearances, but it's not insignificant either. There's a lot to like here, so I understand. And I don't think the market's overcharging because he is a 29 year old no. journeyman. Yeah. Okay. I, th I think he's just one of these guys that people are going to ignore for, you know, longer track records, which is fine because I'll be happy to scoop him up as my CI yeah. in a lot of leagues. No, I, I think that I think that all checks out. Spencer Torkelson, you know, he's on the best team in the league, which helps always, right? To be on such an amazing team, uh, rich franchise, just so many excellent things going on. So I love that aspect of it for Spencer Torkelson. <laughs> uh, no, I think we'll have him up in the first month. Number one overall pick, kind of following the trajectory, right? Uh, things are working out very well right now. He had a nice three-level season, high A, double A, triple A, did well at every single one. Um, I wrote in my uh, top 27 redraft prospects yesterday that the Tigers are probably going to use the dwindling batting average at each level as a reason to keep him down for a few weeks in triple A because he only had 40 games there and he hit 238. But his plate skills were great. He had a 233 BABIP. He's ready from day one, but – Unless they change the CBA, we know he's going to be down for a couple weeks. 
But when Torque comes up, what do you expect out of him? Do you think he can be just a solid mid-20s homer with a 250 average on day one? Yeah, I think he could do that. I think he'd probably do better than that. I mean, I, I think, think he can do better than that, but, but as like a projection, do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's probably fair, especially if he's going to miss the first month of the season. You know, they can always point to, like you said, the, the batting average. Yeah. Defense is always a thing, yep, right? Yep. Um, he's so get, nebulous, right? To be like, oh, we just working on his defense. And you're like, he, okay. He also did get injured at AFL. Yes. Had like what was uh, called a pretty serious ankle injury. Very scary initially. But in the last week, we've seen a uh, video of him uh, taking batting practice and, and doing drills and things like that. So seems like he's going to be ready for whatever spring training we do have mm-hmm. and, uh, and should be ready for the season. So my guess is they send him down because unless he decides that he's willing to sign a contract to come up day one. Um, I mean, yeah. you know, obviously the ceiling is absolutely through the roof. I mean, this Agreed. is a guy who is projected to have, uh, an above average hit tool with, you know, plus plus power. Um, you know, in some leagues, he's still third base eligible. I think in Yahoo, Ooh. he's like third base eligible, which is amazing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't, or maybe I have taken him somewhere. I can't remember if I have or not. I think like, in a in a league where there's a DC, he's definitely worth, taking a gamble on that he's going to be up early and could be a monster right from the gate in a, in a regular league where you don't have like minor league spots, mm-hmm. just um, reserves. Yeah. Just reserves and shallow benches and stuff like them because of the depth of first base, I'm a lot less likely to invest. I think that's, I think that's fair. Um, you know, I don't like to invite players that are going to miss time guaranteed in general, right? Whether that's via injury or the minors, there are pockets of times. It's, it's not a universal rule, but I try not to. So I, I don't have Torkelson anywhere. He is picked 263. So there's not a huge premium for him right now. But again, my boy Luke Voigt going after him, Rowdy Telez as well, two guys that I'd just rather wait for because they're going to be playing day one if they're, if they're healthy. So I like Tork. I think he's going to be impactful from day one, but, um, I still I haven't drafted him anywhere. Yeah, so it's, it's, I, more, it's more of like I'm kind of waiting and seeing. I'm looking to see if I have drafted him somewhere. Um, All right, let's prove it. In NFB in NFBC fifty, I, I took. Okay, him, okay, so. you have indeed taken him. So you have where do you have Torque ranked? I have him ranked pretty low. We both uh, kind of do. I am I am twenty eighth. I think you have him thirty four. Uh, I may move him up a little bit. Just because the 34 reflected the injury, yeah. Um, you know, the question is where, how far can I really push him up by Sano and Dahlbeck? Maybe, yeah, probably. Um, probably move him like right in front of Brandon Bell. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, Brandon Bell's got a job. He was really, really was good when he was on last year. When he was great when he was on the field. I just worry about how much he'll stay on the field. But then, Correct. how do how do I push a guy that I know is not going to start the year on the field above yep. him? That so probably problem. probably in between Brandon Bell. I think you have Bell way too low. By the way, I have I have Bell. A lot of a lot of people do. A lot of oh, everybody pushes back on the belt ranking. And what I push back on is that dude gets I'm a injured fan and I've seen all yeah, I know. the I fucking know. time. Just I know. Love him. Oh, I think but he's... we're down here at a level where things like that happen with players. I still think even Absolutely. accounting for that, 
that it still might be a little bit too low, even if he doesn't keep all the power. But I'm not trying to persuade you to to, to move Bell because you want him <laughs> clearly. Yeah, but uh, you know that's that's one that you know you'll you'll take the miss on. That's fine. I mean, you have Bobby I'm, Bradley I'm, ahead of him, which is truly insane. Yeah, because Bobby Bradley probably will get 600 play appearances. Brandon Bell will might. not. Rowdy Telez. I love him. I I just while we were talking moved him up to number 23. Uh I think especially with the addition of the DH for Telez that really um, really helps him of course. Yeah, that helps him a lot. I there, there is some platoon threat. There shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. Thank you. There absolutely shouldn't Thank you. be because he has not been a guy who's been bad against one side or the other. But they have Brasso and But so. they 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 traded for Brasso. I know. Um, I know. But hopefully that is you that he can be used elsewhere and and like get some that, D, that like, would be my hope because Telez does not he's not shown that he needs it and I know st- splits do not stabilize very quickly so you know you can only go off what we got though and in 242 major league plate appearances against lefties he has a 755 OPS which is only 20 points lower than his work against righties so Telez is only doing what he can with the time that he has I haven't seen anything in his profile that says he needs to be platooned. I love him, though. I was a big fan of his coming into last year. And even though it was the shortened season and everything, and I was, and he had a shortened, shortened season, he only played 35 of the games. So I was like, not saying, hey, this new strikeout rate is real, but I was like, if he can hold some of these strikeout gains with the power that he already has, Telez could be a monster. Well, it didn't really pan out with Toronto. He had 151 plate appearances that just, did not go his way. 245 Babbitt really held him down. He did hold some of the strikeout gains. It was a 20% rate, which was still pretty good. Uh, but then he goes over to Milwaukee and really started to click the way I thought he could with Toronto. 18% strikeout rate, 272, 333, 481 line with seven homers in 174 plate appearances. I think Rowdy could not only possibly hit 30 if he gets the playing time, but also be a batting average boom where he's hitting like 270 plus, which you don't normally expect out of somebody who can hit 30. So I love Telez. Um, I don't have him as much as, uh, what's his face, um, Voight, but I do have Telez shares. Uh, I have two of them already, and I will have many more. I don't have any Telez shares. I want to remedy that because um, while I do believe there is an early season um, potential for him to get platooned i don't think it is a definite and there is a ton of injury risk on this team oh yeah i mean colton misses time um lorenzo kane and i know that he wouldn't take lorenzo kane's spot but things would move around tyron taylor would take lorenzo kane's spot and then telez could be the full-time ga exactly or yeah so i i think there's so much injury risk on the team in general for the Brewers that a guy like Telez, um, you know, the guy he could be, you know, platooning with Brozer, uh, will likely be playing other positions. They move, you know, they have a ton of flexibility. They've yeah, got they guys do. who can play everywhere, including Lu- uh, Luis Urias. So, uh, yeah, I think there is a real opportunity for uh, Telez to get 500 plus plate appearances and be an absolute monster in the process. So uh, I have moved him up. Like I said, he's he's up to my number 23 first baseman. Uh, I would like to make sure I get at least one share before the end of draft season. I like it. I like it. I like Telez a lot. All right, let's go to the Krusty Vets. 
Jonathan Scope, Anthony Rizzo, Yuli Gurriel, Brandon Belt, Luke Voigt, Jesus Aguilar, Miguel Sano, Eric Hosmer, Carlos Santana. Um, big range here, right? Because Santana is like way down. He's pick 432. He had a disastrous season, but I did include him here because he didn't really fit in any of the other the next two categories that we got. But uh, he's a cut below all, all these other guys. In fact, it runs a range, right? I think Scope, Rizzo, Gurriel, um, you know, they're kind of on the higher end there. Belt, Voigt. Aguilar, Sano are kind of in the middle, and then Hosmer and Santana are kind of forgotten. But they're all vets. Anybody that you're targeting a lot here, is there, is there a favorite of yours? Obviously, mine's Voight, so we don't need to speak about that. But uh, do you have a favorite? Um, Not necessarily a favorite. I like a lot of these guys, though. Uh, you know, I've ended up with Jesus Aguilar. I think he gets underrated. Yes. Jonathan, last year Jonathan Scope is like about as steady Eddie as you get. Super unsexy, but... At Never steady the- during a season. Like we'll have what I yeah. call the scoping. There's always a month or two where he pops off, but the bottom line is very steady. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you you end up like kind of setting and forgetting, and and you know, at the end of the year, it's you know, low twenties to mid twenties homers. He was thirteenth at first base last year. I know. I have him as a top 20 guy. Um, that's, that's nice, man. Um, and I just moved him down. He was one of the guys I moved down in order. He's- uh, to move other guys up, he's picking hundred on average, twenty first first baseman. Yeah, I, and he's second base eligible too. So yeah. like, I, I, you know, a guy who can play MI or CI for you, I, I like Jonathan Scope, uh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, Rizzo. I don't think Rizzo's done. Um, I'm just, I think Rizzo's one of those guys that I do kind of, kind of wait and see where he lands. I, I assume he's going to get a full time role somewhere. I just have a hard time placing it. Um, same I agree like um, he, he's Anthony freaking Rizzo he's gonna be playing somewhere yeah. every day and be a maybe, team maybe, leader maybe and all he, that maybe he takes Freddie Freeman's spot in uh in Atlanta once yeah because Freeman, they're because they're cheap as hell over there yeah so uh maybe that's the spot for him you know I, I just I don't really off the top of my head I can't really think of a great fit necessarily Chicago the Cubs. I mean, yeah, um, back to the Cubs. That would hurt your Schwindel love, though. Although DH helps. Yeah, I assume he would be the DH there. So uh, I like Rizzo a lot. I, I think he's probably undervalued. Luke Voigt, um, it's all about health with him. Correct. You know, uh, and I know I, that. I, like, I, I love him, but I, I know he, if he's not healthy, I'm in trouble. Yeah, I think if uh, even if the Yankees brought in like a Freddie Freeman or a Matt Olson, like they've been rumored. I think that means Voigt would be heading somewhere else. Um, and I think he would be fine on a per uh, plate appearance basis. It's just for Voigt. It's all about, can he stay on the field? I mean, he led the league in homers in 2020. Like there's no reason he can't do that again over the course of a full year. The problem is he never plays a full year. So, True. um, I That's think if, if 60 game season helped him because it was a full exactly. year. Exactly. So uh, I think if you're going to draft Luke Voigt, just make sure you have a pretty steady option as a backup for him. Yeah. Like a Jonathan Scope, Luke Voigt combo. Uh, also, uh, Yuli Gurriel gets no respect. And Correct. it's ageism, and that's the ageism lack of, through the roof. Lack of power at, yes. at the position. But I mean, when you can pencil in like 280 and high teens home runs on one of the best offenses in baseball. Like, I just don't understand why people disrespect him. He, he returned more value than most guys did in drafts last season. He's, ninth. he's still being underdrafted ninth among first basemen, 
ADP is. But we're also now talking. We're also talking about guys like in this tier that are ranked in our thirties. No, absolutely no. You're and you're you're. We still have on, like we still have two more tiers of first baseman. Like this yeah. is an insanely deep position. Now there are huge drop offs within sure. this insanely deep position, but it is insanely deep. Like I could conceivably like wait until this tier to draft a first baseman and be totally fine with who I've got at first in CI. Oh yeah, I think if you went like, I mean, you can you get three of them and go like, Scope, Voight, and Guriel. You put Scope at second, Guriel at first, Voight at your corner, and then kind of see how things go. And if Voight is hurt, then okay, Scope fits in there for you. Know, I, I agree. You can the, really wait if you want. In this draft, you and I are in right now. Um, I mean, I did draft Lemayhu, like I said, but my first, I have three actual first basemen. Um, Frank Schwindel, Keston Hira, Edwin Rios. Like I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, it is a position that that you can you can wait on if you want. There, um, I have Walsh and Voigt in that draft, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. And maybe Gavin Sheets will get first base during the year. He's he's UT only right now. Um, all right, Brandon Bell. We already discussed about Luke Voigt, Jesus Aguilar. Jesus Aguilar led what he led the National League in RBIs last year. Is that right? Or he uh, was for no. a very long time. And he did not hold on to that lead. But he had been leading the National League in RBIs for a very long time. And then he got hurt. That's right. He only played 131 games. But he had 93 ribbies on Miami, dude. Yeah. I, I love Aces Aguilar. I had him everywhere last year. Couldn't get enough. 22-93 with a 261. And he missed 30 games. Um, imagine if you've been healthy. You're talking upper 20s, 100 ribbies with the quality average. I'm back in again this year on uh, on Jesus Aguilar. I have no problem taking him again. And uh, you said that you've already taken him in some drafts, yeah? I said that, but again, once again, not on my list. <laughs> I don't. So many guys. Well, how many drafts do you have currently going? Currently forget, going, they, they I just have show. I just have one draft. Oh, okay, okay. Because so yeah, this, your your pairs won't show until the draft is completed. Yeah, th- this will end up being my tenth draft so far. How right? many more are you allowed before uh, you lose six. your bet? Okay. Well, my bet with Rob, seven. My bet with Danielle, six, I believe is what it is. And she gave you an extra one for Valentine's Day, right? That includes the extra one. So, okay. Um, yeah. So I've got TGFBI, two mains, auction, and tout are my last are my last drafts. You're not doing an OC, B, Justin Mason? I'm not doing any OCs. I'm not doing 12-team leagues this year. Okay. Okay. So... Don't like them. I find myself not very good at them. I'm shit at them too, man. B Paul Sport is the easiest thing you can do. If, 15 teamers, I I hold my own. You, but the, the, 12 the teamers, hard, man. The hard part for me is fat because I look at the guys on my team and I go, yep. these guys are too good to drop. No, I, that, that is a real thing. Turn and burn them. And, and, that is a real thing, and I I think I've spoken about this league a few times on on the show, the 10 team ESPN local points league that I play. And how hard it was for me to start cutting some of these guys that aren't performing because it's a burn and churn with like your last five spots. And it's the same thing in these 12 teamers. You're right. I feel like I've gotten a bit better at that in these recent years. But again, beat Paul Sport. I did two of them last year and boy, did they. They really lived, <laughs> the competitors of that league really lived up to the name. They beat Paul Sport pretty handily. Um, cause I, you know, I just didn't have my 12 team success. I had 15 team success last year. So I do think it is, they are different skills. And that's why, you know, when people start getting on their whole thing about like, oh, 10 team leagues are easy and this league is hard. They're all 
their own different set of challenges. And 10-teamers can be remarkably difficult for us deep league dorks because we don't cut players appropriately. We hang on way too long. So that's a good call out there. Uh, Miguel Sano, moving on. I know you've been a fan in the past, and we've had our debates on him. And he's just a ho-hum, 30 homers, bad average, if, as long as he plays kind of like 115 games-ish. Mm -hmm. I know he had 34 and 105 games in 2019. That was a rabbit ball. You still in on Miguel Sano? Is he still somebody that, that wets your whistle? If I get to late in the draft and I'm looking for power, um, he's definitely a guy I'm, I'm willing to target. I always feel like there's enough talent in that bat that at some point maybe we see a monster season from him. Injuries have been an issue for Sano, though, and um, I, I, I do kind of wonder a little bit about Minnesota's commitment to him long term. Uh, so this year, and you know, I, I know he's on a long-term deal, but and it's somewhat team-friendly. But at the same time, like he clogs up spots for them. Um, what do they got to play over him, though? There's there's room for him and Kirilov, no? Yeah, there is, but like with playing Kirilov at first, that means Sano has to play DH when they uh want to. You know, what do they want to do when they want to give Josh Donaldson days off? True, or... but they're used to that with Cruz, so it's it's kind of status quo to that end. But I I, I like I hear you, mm -hmm. but I think that that's just where they've been before. If anything, I think Kirilov might be the DH, and Sano might get some get some first base burn because, and, and, and that may be the case. But it just, I mean. It's a high strikeout rate. I, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I've never been a big Sano. I mean, guy. I, I I was a big Sano guy at one point. I mean, I I remember in the Dynasty uh, or the Roadwire Dynasty Invitational years ago, I took him as uh, like a top eighty pick. I want to say like that, and I was stoked to get him in that. <laughs> I mean, the power is drool worthy. I understand it is. But last year, the deal, by the way, nine point three mil has a team option for twenty twenty three at fourteen mil with a two point seven five buyout. Um, so that kind of strengthens your point because now they don't have such long-term built in that if he is struggling and to, I want to be clear though, he hasn't had but one subpar season by WRC plus every other season has been at least 100 WRC plus, if not better, he was 110 last year. So, Sano has been a plus bat for them, but to your point, maybe their commitment isn't as strong this year, knowing it's the last year of the deal. If he gets out to like a 160 batting average in the first month and to and um, um, Kirilov's popping off and Josh Donaldson needs is hitting well, but needs some some breathers off of third base and Trevor Larnack is killing it. Um, and maybe if Nick and, Gordon got going, I know that I'm, I'm for the, ifs out there, but and for, the, and the, for those of you that are like, but if those of you are playing in like on base percentage leagues, you know, he got back to walking in a double digit rate last year. Which makes his on base percentage a lot more palatable. Um, I probably should like still some like a more. Three twelve though, but still, I'm three twelve when you're getting thirty five home runs is, yeah. is fine. So yeah, um, you know he he uh, he went back to a little bit more patient approach that he that he's shown in the past. So yeah. Um, and yeah, 20, he made 2020 more was a disaster for him. You know, he struck yeah. out 44%. That's, that's the, that's a two month run though. That's yeah. the thing. Like it, it isolated. A two he's, month run. He, he's a streaky guy. Like he's yes, one of those guys. Sano's one of those guys where like, you know, he'll hit eight home runs in a matter of, you know, three weeks. And then all of a sudden he'll go, you know, two three weeks without one. Yeah. He'll go two for 34. Um, and all of a sudden you're like, Oh no, do I need to drop Miguel Sano? But 
I mean, let's see. I mean, you know, 2019-2021, you know, hit 30-plus home runs. And, you know, so, yeah. I, I probably should nah, get to know more, but nah, don't get him more. It's just it's such a deep position. When he was a third, when he's third base eligible, he was a lot more interesting. That was always fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, even as a a Sano detractor, I, I could get behind the third base eligibility. He, All he right. was almost third base eligible in Yahoo this year. He missed it by one game. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. even know he was getting that many over yeah, he there. Played, well, Donaldson got hurt. He That's right. Nine, That's right. Nine, nine games at third base. All right, Aaron Cosmer. No, I just know. So boring. No, no. why? Like, I know. Like the Padres are willing to like eat like, or give away like good prospects to get rid of him. Like he's going to get traded to a team um, with like Luis Campesano just to get him off the team. Like that's how little his own team feels about him. He should not be on your team. Okay. Not about to fight back on anything you said. I cannot stand Eric Hosmer. Some of it is bias because he was a shit to our boy Eno. I carry that. Yes, it's not even my like, fight to fight. That's a plus for me. No, see, I disagree. I love Eno. <laughs> I love uh, Eno. <laughs> five hundred sixty-five plate appearances last year. Twelve homers, sixty-five ribs, fifty-three runs, five steals, two sixty-nine average. By the way, LOL at him figuring out power because he did it for the two month for like half. For a month, because it was only thirty nine. Uh, he only played thirty eight games in the in the shortened season. So remember when he figured out power because uh-huh. he actually lifted. Yeah, I was I I was starting to believe that too. Nah, I would never believed it. Um, yeah, he didn't figure out shit. But twelve homers, five steals, two sixty nine average. Where do you think that finished? He played all year, five sixty five plate appearances. Where do you think that finished among first basemen? Twenty uh, third. I'm impressed that you were that low. I thought the volume would make you push higher. But with that much playing time, he only finished 28th because he was so shitty power-wise. So good. I, I, thought, I thought that's the reason I went as high as I did was because I just thought he volumed his way. Yeah, like uh, he couldn't even volume his way there. With 565, he was 28th. Unless you're in my league, do not draft Eric Hosmer. Yeah, and you're, you're, you're in my league. Draft him all yeah. day because I don't. I don't care. It's a free pick yeah. for me. Like it's a free pick off the board. I don't even. I don't even list him off. No, I'm kidding. But no, I, I. I have no interest. And by the way, the market's there too. He's the 34th first baseman off the board. The market realizes Eric Hosmer. Man, we hear about bad contracts all the time. People do not talk enough about how bad Eric Hosmer's contract right? is. I think it's because it's so well ingrained, and everyone knows that we've kind of like. There's no we debate. Knew- like we knew it from the day get-go. One. Yeah. Like and nobody's was... pushed to the other side. Like, yeah. well, I don't know. I think everyone just universally agrees. And that's probably why we don't talk. About like it. Eric Hosmer feels like he's robbing the Padres. He knows. Yeah. He knows. He's like, Ooh, my bad. Yeah. I'm not going to give it back, but my bad. I wonder, um, I wonder if like every month when he picks up his paycheck, if he just shows up in a ski mask, he's just like still this high. Damn. Okay, yeah. cool. Cool. I'll, I'll take it, but I don't deserve it. <laughs> nah, listen. He still deserves it more than the owner, and I'm not. Yeah, absolutely. So, Good you for know him. Still I'm, rather Hosmer get you that know money what? than the owner. Like, I, I don't have any hate towards him personally. Like, no, I'm glad he got paid. Yeah, like, it's not. It's not his fault. I never no. blame a player for getting a big deal because who the frick wouldn't sign 
What, what are you going to go in and be like, it's like that dweeb on that, uh, that commercial, uh, that calls the, uh, out of bounds on his own, on himself. Have you seen that one? It's no. like, coach, I touched it. And they're like, shut up, Alex. It's oh, a yeah, championship right. game. Mm-hmm. Like that would be Hosmer going in and being like, I don't think I deserve this. That you guys... was a commercial about sportsmanship. <laughs> yeah. That guy's a loser. <laughs> Alex is a fucking loser, dude. Shut the hell up. They called it out on the other team. <laughs> anyway, Carlos Santana, we talked about him the other day because we talked about um, Vinny Pasquantino and Nick Prado, uh, two up-and-coming prospects at, at first base for KC. I do still think that Santana's going to get an opportunity to, to kind of show that last year might have been a fluke. And I feel like he could actually be kind of a decent rebound. Even in this awful year, he only struck out 16% with a 13% walk rate. He hit 19 homers, which is not great, but, you know, very close to getting back in the 20s. He's 36. But if he got back to, say, mid-20s homers with a 240 average, would would that be crazy? Do you think think Santana's toast? I don't think he's toast. Um, I don't think he's good. But I don't think it's toast. Between toast and good, yeah. that's fantasy viable, though. I think the hard part becomes once Prado does come up, which we, I think, expect him to be up fairly early this year. I mean, he's a finished product. They're going to play the service time games, um, and then Prado will arrive at the major leagues. Does Santana struggle to find the lineup? Um, well, right now, we don't even have him in the lineup. That's because... Two two different things though. Yeah, and these Witt. are the yeah these are yeah, the two different things that I've that that make it difficult for him. We have Wit penciling at third base, off rip, which we mm-hmm. don't know, and then Mondesi is taking his job at DH there, and Dozier at first base. So that's three things actually. So yeah. I don't think any of those three things are guaranteed. If Carlos Santana is the opening day first baseman, I would not be surprised. In fact, I'm going to go so far as to say I expect that to happen. Now, can he hold that job is a yeah. completely yes. different question that I do I, not know the answer to. I expect him to be the opening day first baseman because I don't expect Wit or Prado to be up opening day. Correct. Uh, I know a lot of people are like, oh, no, they, they, they're going to do it. Well, they're not going to do it. They sh- it is, and it sounds like in the CBA discussions yesterday, the players started to move a little bit on the service time games. So it sounds like those are going to stick around. Yep. And um, I would, even if they did get changed, I think it would start like next year. I don't think it would be an probably. instant. I think it'd be one of those things where it's like, okay, starting in 2023 type of deal. So I think Prado and Witt start the year in the minors. I think Santana's opening day, first baseman um, with uh, Dozier playing third. And I also think that shit happens right yes. somebody will get hurt or they could make a trade or um and that way santana you know santana could be one of the one who's one of the ones who's traded um True. and then he's only making know, like eight mil it's not it, yeah that's the thing too even with his struggles he's not cost prohibitive and they might be willing to eat all of it in order to get a decent prospect back in return so yeah I think that Santana is definitely going too low. I think he's a great DC guy because I do think as long as he's healthy, he will find his way to 500 plate appearances yeah. and be just good enough. Um, especially where considering where he, where Santana is going in traps, 
all you want is plate appearances, right? Exactly. The and, volume that you can get that late. By the way, he's making 10-5 this year. It was 8-8 eight, eight, um, a previous year, sorry, yeah. on that. But 10-5 isn't cost prohibitive either for Carlos Santana. They could move him and, and keep the keep the money, like you said. Even a team like KC that is normally a bit cheap, they could even eat the 10 mil if they really thought that they could get somebody, um, somebody decent there. So – you know, we'll see. I don't think he's going to rebound to 2019. He was a rabbit ball uh, beneficiary big time with a 281 average, 34 homers, 93 ribbies. But we're not that far removed from that season. And his core skills are still in line with that, especially the plate skills. I'm looking at the at the fly at the batted ball skills too. Yeah, the batted ball skills are the same as well. And again, rabbit ball versus not, but I don't need him to get all the way back to 34 homers. So Carlos Santana, boring. Nobody's going to care when you pick him. Not a terrible pickup, though. I really and don't once again, DCs. for those of you in on base percentage leagues, he is he moves up like yeah, he moves up picks. a ton. Yeah, not three hundred. I'm kidding, but he's four thirty two on average right now. Um, I mean, like Carlos Santana, you can take him in the DC and be fine. All right, let's talk about the CIs, the the, the corner infield. These guys are much much better used at CI. Um, because of the depth, you know, uh, of, of first base. Lamont Wade Jr., Yoshi Sutsugo, Paven Smith, stud, Bobby Bradley, Darren Ruff, Christian Walker, and Keston Hira. So some intrigue here, right? There's some guys that I'm sure you're eyeing and, and you get excited about. I got some guys I like here, too. I obviously acknowledge my boy Paven Smith. <laughs> I want to start with Wade, though, right? That's your ball club. Mm -hmm. They were a platoon-heavy team last year, and he was part of that. But he plays on the strong side. So even if he's platooned, I'm not terribly concerned. Right now, we do not have him carved out for a platoon on roster resource. How do you see Lamont Wade's playing time uh, turning out before we get into what he can actually do with the playing time? I think he's probably one of those guys that, at least initially, is, you know, the strong side of platoon and is going to be playing pretty regularly. I get this feeling like he feels like one of these Giants players that like has that one great season and then kind of disappears. Like, you think he might have been a fluke? Uh, it, I know. It, it absolutely feels like it. That being said, a 90% zone contact percentage is not a fluke. He's always been a very good zone contact guy. He has shown the ability that there is power in that bat with, you know, a, a little over a 10%. Uh, Barrel rate, um, you know, you know, ex average exit velocity of ninety miles an hour. Like, I, I, it's a feeling that Lamont Wade Jr. is a fluke. It's sometimes, not. Sometimes you go on a gut feel. Yeah, it's not necessarily like something I can seriously back up. I think the biggest issue with him is he plays on the Giants, which is a bad park to hit him, even though it's gotten better. Um, and it's a team that loves to platoon. That has a lot of other options. You know, we've talked about Brandon Bell. You know, we've, you know, we've mentioned Wilmer Flores. Darren Ruff is there. Darren Ruff has Austin been Slater can platoon with with him and with yeah. him on a Junior. Yeah, absolutely. I just think there's so like there's so many ways that he can get two plate appearances. There's not that many ways he can get to like over 500 plate appearances. So he had 381 last year, 18 homers, six steals, really maximized his 381. 
projections are actually kind of wide ranging. Some have them getting up as high as 575, which you're not agreeing with. 457 is where ATC and the bat are. Where do you come out on the over under 457 for Lamont Wade playing appearances? Lamont Wade Jr., excuse me. I would take the under. Okay. Uh, over under his 381 from last year then. Ooh. Are you in between the 381 and the 457, or are you below the 381? I think I'm. I think I'm in between. Okay, that's fair. That, that's a decent range, I think, to live in 381 yeah. to four. You know, 381. Uh, if if I was eight. if I was doing a projection on him, I would probably be putting it around 425. Okay, I can get behind that. Yeah. You know, he didn't really play the first two months too. Can consider that the 381 came in like a four month sample there. Yeah. Um, he was disastrous against lefties, so the platoon was justified for Wade. But yeah, I think four and a quarter is completely fair. And I understand your inclination to kind of feel like it might have been a little bit of a fluke last year, or at least where he maximized his skills and that another 425 plate appearances wouldn't necessarily match what he did this past year. Yeah, I can totally get behind that. All right, uh, Yoshi Sutsugo. This is another favorite of mine in this group here. By the way, Lamont Wade goes at pick 305 on average with first base outfield el eligibility. Yoshi Sutsugo is next at, at first base at 326. And um, I really, really like him. I think a full-time mm -hmm. role with Pittsburgh, he's got a great shot here. So I'm going to identify him as somebody like – we're not going to go through every one of these guys and the ones at the next here. So let's each pick – a guy here that we really like, and you can't pick Bradley because you've already spoken about him, and I can't pick Paven Smith. Sutsugo's my guy here. Okay, I think he can be an absolute monster in Pittsburgh um, with a full-time role. He was great overseas. We hadn't really seen it until he finally got going a bit with Pittsburgh last year. Eight homers in a 134 WRC plus and 144 plate appearances. I'm not just extrapolating that, but I think he can be a 20-homer bat with a decent average up, up over 255. Yeah, I agree with you. Actually, these guys, I've moved up quite a bit in my ranks uh, recently. Um, I've really kind of come around on him. I was a Tsugo hater for a long time, but you can't ignore what he did when he got to Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. All right, uh, give us one, give us a guy that you really like. Here that is, and by the way, you love Bobby Bradley. I love Payment Smith. We've we've spoken about those two. That's why we're not doing them here. Um, I'm torn between Darren Ruff and and Keston Hira. Uh, Darren Ruff, I I really really like. If he had a better role on a team that would actually let him play full time, I think he could actually be really, really good. Uh, it just it's hard to see where the plate appearances come from. So I guess Keston here is the answer. I just took him in this no. draft that uh, he's reworked his swing, got rid of the toe tap. Uh, I don't know what he's going to be, but we're talking about a guy who was like a top fifty pick like two seasons ago, yeah. um, and uh, you know there's power, speed. He plays in a good ballpark. Uh, I think, you know, like we said with the Brewers, uh, that there's a lot of injury potential on that team. So he could find himself starting off in a utility role and then work his way into a full-time role, I think, fairly easily. So, uh, Kesson, you're uh, I'm not done with you, baby. I'm ready to be heard again. <laughs> uh, Christian Walker, we'll see what happens with him there. He's kind of a long guy in, in Arizona, nothing too crazy there. Let's get into the prospects and wrap up here at first base. And uh, the prospect group has Juan Yepes from St. Louis, Tristan Cassis from Boston, the aforementioned Nick Prado and Vidi Pasquantino from KC, Lewin Diaz from Miami, Evan White from Seattle, and Sam Huff from Texas. 
We have dove in on a lot. We already talked about Cassis, Prado, Pasquantino, Lewin Diaz. We got into the other the other day. You mentioned Evan White earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juan Yepes. We saw him at Fall League. He popped off. He and JJ Boudet were actually co uh, co MVPs there in the Fall League. He's a four corners guy, meaning first, third, left, right. Not great at any of them, but can kind of fake it at all of them. There's just no room at the end right now. I don't want to eliminate him because of that, because like you said, stuff happens and yeah. spots open. But does Juan Yepes find legit playing time this year to, uh, to to show that those AFL and his AAA skills, where he had a 154 OPS plus, uh, a WRC plus this year, does he find time to display those skills at the major league level for Juan Yepes? I don't think so. I just I just don't see the path to playing time. I mean, like I said, stuff happens. Um, but without and- stuff happening, it's not there. You've got stalwarts on the corners there. Yeah. I mean, you've got Nolan Arenado. You have Paul Goldschmidt. um, And then even the two outfielders, they're not stalwarts in terms of playing time yet, but But they're up-and-coming superstars, O'Neill and Carlson. Yeah, you've got a top prospect in Carlson, O'Neill, who just had a breakout season. Um, And then he's also blocked by Nolan Gorman, who's like probably going to be the DH uh, most days because – he's been blocked by all those other guys that we just talked about. So um, I, unfortunately, I think he needs a trade uh, yeah. and maybe that is something the Cardinals do. Maybe they, that could be part. That could be their next guy. They trade who blows up somewhere. Else. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's a matter of like, that's a Craig Kimbrell trade or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but uh, it just, he needs, he needs a different location because he's just not good defensively enough to, go to a position where they could use them. Evan White briefly mentioned him earlier. Yeah. He's so unbelievably cheap. It's ridiculous. Signed the early deal before he ever debuted has done nothing in 306 plate appearances spread across 2020 and 2021. Tiny, tiny sample. What do you realistically see out of Evan White this year? Can he, and what's the path to a breakout? Oh, I, I really don't know. Okay. Um, he's but taking the name at the at the so he's going cost. Yeah, so 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 cheaply, um, and I think he's gonna play. Like I mean, you know, I think at least give it be given an opportunity to play. Now, the the Mariners have gotten to a point where if Evan White can't figure it out, he'll get sent down. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this is a guy who has shown in the minor leagues. That he's got a good enough contact profile, plays great defensively. There's a, enough power in the bat um, that I think they're going to give him an opportunity to play. And I think there's talk that they could even uh, give him some time in the outfield. And there's a lot of injury risk on this team anyway. So, you know, um, I I think he will find his way to forge 50 plate appearances, which is why I've been drafting him like super, super late. Because, like you said, in DCs, if you can find yep. that many plate appearances that late, that's really significant. Absolutely. All right, last guy, last guy I want to talk about is Sam Huff. He came up as a catching prospect. Looks like they're off of that now because he's first base eligible, and I haven't really heard him being talked about for the catching job in Texas. Do you have any love for Sam Huff? He, he you know, barely played at AAA last year, seven games. So he, he's just he's just working his way up. He played in the majors in 2020, but only for 33 plate appearances. Sam Huff do anything for you? Uh, he would have played more in AAA if it not been for a, a season-ending knee injury in ah, okay. July, I think it okay. was. Um, so uh, I don't know where he is back from that, but the news we got 
yesterday that Josh jo- Josh Young mm-hmm. um, is going to miss some considerable time. With He's done for the year, isn't he? Oh, is he? Got, he? he got the surgery. Okay. I think yeah. it's six months. He's he done done. So, well, six months puts him in August. He's done done. Yeah, probably. Um, I'm on order because he's done done. You know, maybe that I, I don't know. I don't know that that Huff can play third, so maybe I don't know that he him. can either. Yeah. Um, I think it just helps Isaiah Kiner Falefa and maybe even Sheraton Apostle, who is uh, a former a, a former interesting prospect that I really liked at one point. Like that it just out. that got leapfrogged by Young. So he's only twenty three. Sheraton Apostle yeah. is mad young still, so you should yeah. still have some of that love for him. That's a there's like a deep deep sleeper that you know I I he's not a this year's um, Cedric Mullins but no 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 maybe he's just an it's, interesting guy though maybe it's a this year's uh, uh, Abraham Toro ooh okay who yeah nobody was talking about I briefly mentioned in our third base preview as a super deep sleeper and maybe Apostles that guy so um, but anyways Huff I, I don't know where he gets the playing time especially if he's not catching. Um, yeah, I think it's low. We just yeah. went crazy on low there, and so I don't think. I mean, I, it's I guess it's D. I guess DH. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, we got Willie Calhoun penciling as DH, and I, I'm still yeah. on Willie Calhoun. I can't quit that guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, Willie Calhoun gets injured. I mean, there's a crap ton of power in this profile. There's also a crap in Huff's ton of profile. Yeah, in Huff's profile, there's also a crap ton of swing and miss. Um, zero speed. He didn't catch uh, it all last year, by the way. So if you guys are okay. hoping for that to come back around, it doesn't look good for Huff to get back in behind the dish. Yeah, he's a big dude too. So like he's probably perfect for us baseman. Six um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean he he's got does he I don't think he has catcher eligibility, does no, he? No, that's the thing. That's why I put him here because yeah. he's only for, he only shows first base eligible. So I don't know that I'm super interested, but I'm uh sure. I think you know uh, extremely deep league AL only where you've got minor league slots or, or something like that. Cause I don't think he's up day one. So um, he, I guess he could be uh, a super, super, super late dart throw. Okay. That's Sam Huff out in Texas. Yep. That'll do it. That's first base. It is a deep position. We, we both really like it. We're finding a lot of stuff that we like. I tell you what, you know, I'm going to be in this pool, I think, multiple times because I don't mind some of those studs that out front that we talked about. And then I'm going to be working the middle of the pool too. So my first, my corner, I can definitely see my second baseman coming out of this pool with Cronenworth, LeMahieu, France, Scope, all eligible there. My fifth outfielder could be Yoshi Sutsugo, who's first base outfield. I, I love the first base pool. I, I really yeah. find a lot of players that, that are intriguing. So I think you and I are going to be dipping into this pool multiple times. Both of our rankings are updated for the Patreon folks. Uh, we updated them in the midst of this show even. So, Justin, great talking with you about first base. We'll be back next week with second and short. Take it easy.